Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is banned from ringside. Tonight on the 200th episode of the Banned from Ringside podcast, NJPW has a new heavyweight champ, AEW, the the. Uh, Young Bucks, the Bullet Club, you know you know what I'm talking about. They reunite at the end of it. NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver Night 1 recap. NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver Night 2 predictions and your WrestleMania prediction. It is a loaded 200. That and a trip down memory lane and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band for Inside podcast. I mean, really loaded. Jesus Christ. Lot of shit, <laughs> shit to get to. Oh, my God. Ditch that nine to five. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Mark. So welcome to the Band for Ringside Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bill Vagie, a.k.a. Hand and Deliver. And out there in Edwardsville, Illinois, we have two beers. Zach Pullman, what's going on, two beer? It's <laughs> a good one. Uh, yeah, in honor of the uh, 200th episode, uh, I'm working on uh, jerking off 200 times a day. Uh, I'm up to 199, so uh, I, I could probably finish one by the time we're done with the pod here. So Probably before the three count is over, I would assume. And sitting there across from me in my garage in South City, St. Louis, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? Allow us to bow our heads as I read from the latest edition of the Band from Ringside Podcast, Volume 200, baby. Chapter 3, verse 14 of the Good Smart Sayeth, hashtag boo the heels. It is all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat. 200 episodes, wouldn't even think we'd have got to 50. We're four times that. This shit is absolutely crazy, and it falls right smack dab in probably one of the craziest wrestling weeks ever. Ever. I mean, we've had some jam-packed shows. Today's a really jam-packed show. Yeah. There's a lot of shit to talk There's about. There's a lot of shit to talk this about. This podcast started off with a, you know, with a conversation. Jason and I had talked about this for a long time, along with Tender Mahal. And I might have told this story before, but I'll tell it again because it's a celebration type type of day. Indeed. Is that uh, we, wrestling podcasts, sound like fun. We could do wrestling podcasts. As you know, Jason and I had stood outside of the same bar. We're still doing it. Standing outside the same bar uh, for years, arguing about wrestling, uh, like two people stuck in our own world while everybody else just kind of looked at us like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? He'll be in a second, goddammit. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, with some NBA sprinkled in and other things, but uh, we we always said that we could do it. Uh, Chris Denman, some of you might remember that name uh, from the We Are Live broadcast network. Uh, he approached me. He said... If you could do a podcast about anything, what would you do it about? And I was like, well, I could talk forever about pro wrestling. And he was like, okay, figure it out. I went to Jason. Jason said, okay, let's do it. Uh, Tender Bahal expressed some trepidation about it. And then I thought about um, my, I thought about, my, I guess you would say my cousin-in-law, uh, Zach, and said, well, he's funny and he could probably be good at it. And I texted him and he was all about it. And... 200 episodes later, pretty crazy. Um, that's just about four years. Yeah, I was tripping off that. I mean, we've only skipped 
some Thanksgivings. I mean, we skip every Thanksgiving usually. Yeah. Uh, we, but we really don't take a whole lot of weeks off. No. You know, rain or shine, out of town, in town, guest host, no guest host. Jason did one by himself, <laughs> <laughs> which is, uh, you know, that's our commitment to Eric Bischoff. Not, yeah, we had Eric Bischoff on. We've had a couple of interviews. We've had Kurt Stallion. He's gone on to do great Paco, things. Paco, King Dallas, yeah. uh, uh, Wally Pip, Sam the Mauler Ball, you know, uh, Chris Denman, Travis yeah. Terrell, uh, Jim Bunton, oh, and Patrick Morris are yeah. dudes from Let's Get, Get Comfortable. Comfortable. So yeah. there's, uh, and of course, uh, you know, my wife puts up with a lot of bullshit. I know that no. Zach's wife puts up with a lot no, of bullshit. Kudos to Aaron. She came up with the, uh, the band from Ringside logo. So, I mean, that's, there's something to be said about that. So, I mean, I guess that's where, for me, this 200 episode kind of feels a little more special because it's it's kind of family oriented because you guys are my BFR family. Aaron is, you know, like my sister-in-law, whatever the case may be. Sure. Tara the same way, even though I don't even really see her. So, I mean, it, you know, it organically started. It's kind of gotten a little steam. We're out there on social media, obviously. You know, we get, you know, people coming in on Facebook and on Twitter and all that other good stuff. So we interact that way. If I did, if you'd have told me we'd have been this in this spot four years ago, I'd have looked at you sideways. There's no, I'm not saying we're big time by any stretch of the imagination. Obviously, as we sit in uh, Bill's garage doing the 200th episode, but I am impressed of where we are, and I still think we have more to do. It's a real testament, not so much to our listeners, but to how much we like to talk to each other and get drunk. Um, Zach, what were you going to say? Props to my wife, Tara, for coming up with new and creative ways to avoid the topic uh, that her husband has a podcast. And then also when it does come up, coming up with new and creative ways of making fun of me. So good good on her. Yeah. Uh, when I, you know, I don't see Tara all that much, but I see her at some family get togethers and she always ends up saying to me somehow, you know, I just didn't know that Zach liked wrestling this much. <laughs> <laughs> like it's your fault. <laughs> Say, wait a minute. No, no. And they've been together for a long That's time. That's what I'm saying. You're supposed to know I, this shit. Yeah, but I think I kind of I kind of brought him back into the fold. I know that he watches more wrestling now than he did before the podcast, but I think that goes for everybody except for Jason. I had that, I had that big hiatus, and uh, like now I'm like really – like you know full head of steam like back into it but i am working towards balancing my entertainment with other things like i was heading down the path of the dark side like jason bell um, (laughs) where i was like watching every show every week kind of like completionist like almost like I couldn't be happy in my mental health if I didn't have <laughs> some, you know, like that box check. It's like you, you know, know me. but um, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting better. So, Jay, I mean, Jason watches other things besides wrestling, though. He watches, he watches true. the Marines uh, movie <laughs> franchise. He watches Young Rock <laughs> on NBC. Dude, young, young Rock's pretty good. I've been yeah, dog boys to decide. Young Rock is good. Dog, I'll say this much: New Japan is on two beer. Okay, he opened up that can of worms. So I know I watch a shit ton of wrestling. I will be the first to fall on that sword. But New Japan is on Zach, and that for me opened up a whole new door to like, oh shit, there's more besides WWE. You're bullshitting. And from that point on, it's been all downhill since. So I'm blaming Zach on that. It's still. I was, of course, kidding earlier. Thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to the sponsors. Uh, it's really just, it, it's. If not the favorite part of my week, one of the favorite parts of my week, and I can't see us stopping anytime soon. I mean, I got a kid on the way, Zach's moving to Portland, but I mean, 
the miracle of technology means that that don't mean that much. Nope. And also, uh, me and Jason are still going to be doing it uh, in the same room uh, one week uh, at my place, which is uh, it, out in uh, Kansas City. <laughs> And then the other weeks, we're going to meet in Columbia, Missouri at a motel. <laughs> but he's going to have to drive really far either way. Either way, yeah. I'm the one that's ass out on that. Uh, before we get too far into it, Jason, why don't you tell us about F&B Eatery? F&B Eatery on the corner of 3453 Southampton to Marquette. The speaking of a kind of day one-ish, F&B Eatery has been kind of day one-ish. Next is Soul Taco and um, JJ Twig. So shout out to all past and present sponsors alike. Thank you for your uh, patronage, if you will. But back to F&B Eatery. Do yourself a favor. It's that time of season. This is the Cardinal Home Opener. It started at 3. So you can go ahead, root the Redbirds on, and then go over to F&B Eatery. Get you some curbside service. Get you a couple burgers that you never heard of. That way we can alleviate that. Get your ass out the doghouse in case you're in the doghouse because this is the week of wrestling. And if you're like me, you're watching all kinds of wrestling. If God forbid, if I had a girlfriend right now, she might be pissed off at a brother. So do yourself a favor. Don't be like me. Don't be stupid. Stay out the doghouse. Keep the family fed. Keep the kids occupied. Slide on in F and B D Tell them the band from Ringside Center. Also, don't forget about Bill's Beard Company. That is the beard balm, beard shampoo, beard oil, shower steamer, bath steamer company that my wife has created. She makes all the stuff in house. It is good. It is fresh. It'll make you smell clean. It'll make you relax when you're in the tub and you're catching that uh, MLW show that uh, you feel like you need to watch before you can get the box checked Fuck off. You. <laughs> I, I like showers. MLW. Uh, but check it out if you want some. We have sold some to some listeners, so and we've gotten. Uh, Good feedback. So hit me up at BFR Bill, at BFR Pod, at BFR JCB. You know what? And I we didn't even mention Lucha Chris, but we have a special uh, blast oh, no, no. blast from the past coming up. He he's not joining the show, but obviously it is a blast from the past. It's a uh, excerpt from a show that Jason found that he thinks uh, pretty much encapsulates <laughs> what's been going on here the last four years or so. But uh, stay tuned for that. That's going to be after the three count before the WrestleMania predictions. Without further ado, let's get to that three counts. One, two, three. JCB, what's the one count? <sighs> Kono Ibushi. I mean, damn. It looks like those tire tracks just still fresh on his back. That bus just ran over his ass. We're going to go back to <laughs> Sakura Genesis. Kota Ibushi defending the title against Will Ospreay in the main event. Um, it was a banger match, no question about it. Will Ospreay pulls out a clean victory over Kota Ibushi to win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship in about a 30-minute match. Um, for me, it wasn't even about the match itself. The match was the match. You know what I'm saying? It was a solid four-star match. If you want to go more than that, fair enough. It's probably more than four stars, but at least it's four stars. couple callbacks uh, from their original, not their original match, but the their previous match where you had the the flip off of the, uh, the rope where Will Ospreay lands on his feet again and doesn't necessarily look over his shoulder, but it's looking at Abushi and kind of giving the the rock, you know, come on and bring it type of episode. For me, this is all about 
what is not about the match itself. It's about the title, the title design. Should they merge these into two titles? It feels like, for me, Kota Ibushi's kind of the fall guy in this whole thing. I mean, he's the guy that's the face of, clearly not his idea, but he's the face of this idea. He's the guy that came out and championed this idea and wanted to get past IC champions like um, Tanahashi, champions like Tanahashi, uh, IWGP champions like Tanahashi, Behind this thing, Naito the same way. Nobody was, at least in that camp, nobody was really falling in line. Will Ospreay was more on the lines of uh, Ibushi, not, not worried about the lineage. This is the title. He wants to win the title. I just find it a little weird that in this scenario where it's the first defense of this title, this lineage, you have Kota Ibushi lose. At some point, he's going to lose this title. It's not, you know, let's just get beyond that. It just felt like this was really abrupt. And it almost made me take away from the match itself. Obviously, the match is great. If you get a chance to go watch it, go trip over yourself and go watch this match. But for me, it was not even about the match itself. It was more behind the scenes. Was this the right move? Is Kota Ibushi now on the way back down because... Now, after the match, Jeff Cobb destroys his ass and basically, you know, puts his foot foot on his fucking chest and shit. You know, LIJ got stomped out with the returning Hanare. So, you know, the United Empire had a great fucking night. You know what I'm saying? But to me, like I said, Will Ospreay winning is 1A. The number one thing that I took away from this is Kota Ibushi. Is he the fall guy for what New Japan decided they wanted to do? independent of what, you know, fans and wrestlers might want it to do. Zach, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, the booking for New Japan has seemed much more reactive than traditional because, uh, and I think part of that's COVID, a little bit of it is injury. Like a lot of these guys are beat up, Okada's beat up, Naito's beat up, Abushi's beat up, and I, even Osprey's beat up. Uh, but I think as far as the... This title, you know, I don't love the new design. I get the references, like the homages to previous belts and things like that. That other belt was just one of the most beautiful designs of any belt I've ever seen. Like that one, that AEW title, and like the Winged Eagle are like top three for me as far as belts of like all time. And it's just, it's tough. Uh, you know, and the booking in New Japan still has great matches in the ring, but it seems like the booking is getting a little stale. The Bullet Club with all the run-ins, uh, it just doesn't seem like a very hot company like it was, uh, you know, 2019, 2018, you know, even like before, uh, where it's just like, if you're not watching all of these shows, like you're missing out on the best wrestling on the planet. A lot of these shows are missable now because the storylines aren't so hot. Um, but you know, the ascendancy of the empire, I think it, it definitely is a boon for them to have that championship. Uh, you know, you can give Kota Bushi a rest if he is injured, um, and, you know, put the baby face in chase mode. Um, and that's okay. Uh, you know, Will Ospreay was going to get this title eventually, and I am stoked for him because he's awesome. And, 
Like he, just like Jay White, he's a guy gene who's young and incredibly talented. And some might say that this is too soon, uh, but I don't know. Uh, I was surprised, uh, but I wasn't necessarily like taken aback uh, by it. And I am just as interested in Will Ospreay matchups uh, like Shingo and Okada as I would be with Abushi because they're both such great wrestlers. Like I don't mind them matching up like with anybody. So. Uh, yeah, we'll yeah, it's kind of see where it goes. It's funny to me that the first person that you mentioned, Jason, was Abushi, because to me this is less about Abushi, even though I agree his reign was abrupt. I mean, especially compared to what who I mean, Okada had the belt when we started watching, and Okada held it forever. And Okada was a tremendous champion. His reign is kind of strange. It's it's gonna it's it's not the first time he's it's not the only time he's gonna hold the belt I'm sure, um, but his reign did seem strange. They pack they've been packing a lot of shows in because now they can have crowds and I'm sure they have to make some money back. They have to recoup some money, which is kind of fucked up the booking. Um, to me though, this is more about a, a coronation, maybe not a coronation, but it's about the ascendancy. And Will Ospreay finally taking that top spot, which it was obvious from the beginning four years ago when we started watching New Japan that this company was really high on Ospreay from the get-go. I mean, he's been he's been one of the consistently one of the best performers in a company full of workers. I mean, in, in a company full of guys that are as good as anybody that WWE or AEW can throw out there pretty much, you know, but barring, barring, you know, the top guys, Omega guys like that. Um, Osprey as champion sets up some pretty fun feuds coming forward. Uh, Osprey Shingo, obviously that's going to fucking rule. And the cool thing about NJPW feuds and rematches is that they don't, they just don't have the same match over and over and over again. You know, they are going to, like you said, there was plenty of callbacks in the Ibushi Osprey match. There was even a callback to the tag match that they had uh, a while ago. I can't remember exactly what it was, but my favorite moment of the match is when he landed on his feet after that top rope, when he flung him off and Osprey landed on his feet and just stared at him. I mean, that, that is, that's pro, that shit. that's pro wrestling at its best. It yeah. really is. I mean, and Osprey didn't even, he didn't oversell it. He didn't do that thing where he tries to look real mad. He just looked as cool as a fucking cucumber, man. And that match, I, I, let's not sell the match short. As you said, the match was great. The match was fucking awesome. Yeah, without question. Without question. Yeah, I, uh, I watched it at work, and I was slow at the time, and I had it on, and then... A couple of my regulars were outside smoking cigarettes, and it got to that spot with the Poison Rana where he lands on his feet, and then immediately after, Ibushi hits the Poison Rana on him and sends him outside, and they have that, like, great sequence once he gets back in. And I, like, rewound it, and I was like, hey, you guys got to see this. And, like, whatever the regulars got back in, I, like, I played it, and they watched the rest of the match, and they're like, holy shit, that rule. Yeah, it's tremendous. It's indicative of what NJPW can do when they're at the top of their game. 
in a match that means something with two guys that are just crazy fucking wrestlers. I mean, if these guys were wrestlers in the 90s, they you would think that they were aliens. You'd be like, how are these motherfuckers putting together matches like that? And this, this match was no exception. Um, I think that the summer could bring some good things. Yeah, for sure. For NJPW. I think that... Um, Having crowds back and maybe getting on a more normal schedule is better. Like you said, Hanari and Cobb, even their ring gear is kind of the same color now. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if they formed a tag team sometime soon, which would I think they would be a badass tag team. Um, the rest of the card... The rest of the card was what it was. I no, mean, it's, it wasn't anything that, you know, was earth-shattering. Like you said, the United Empire Ascension was basically, I guess, I'm burying the lead on that. That should have been the the one count itself where, like I said, LIJ um, basically got stomped out by uh, the United Empire and the re- returning Hanare. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not against that, you know. Th- it's it's like I say all the time. This is where you give the new guy a chance. Great Ocon the same way. So we'll see the Great Ocon and uh, Naito moving forward in a singles match. I guess that's uh, the tenth or the eleventh of uh, of this week or whatever the case may be. So I mean, the, the United Empire coming out of uh, Russell Kingdom, we were like, you know, are they in trouble? Shit, they ain't in trouble anymore, as far as I'm concerned. You know, I'm looking at my watch. You know. Doing the Judge Judy meme, you know, come on, uh, Andrade, get your ass over here, help my boys out because they in some trouble. Outside of that, I don't have a problem with Will Ospreay winning. Ultimately, I, I kind of agree with Zach. It might be a, too, a little too soon, but ultimately we're going to get there anyway. So, I mean, we're there. Let's just see what happens. I mean, he gets Shingo first, the winner gets Okada. I mean, shit, those are two matches right there. I'm like, fuck yeah, bring it on, and we can work around that. And uh, I mean, Abushi Cobb, too. Yeah. Uh, I guess the only really other big development, I mean, kind of a huge development that happened on this show was when uh, Yano got the pin in that uh, 10 man, in that 10 man tag team. Rocky 3K got their, uh, their titles back. That's more bigger than Yano fucking doing the same bullshit. That was my favorite part of the show besides the main event match itself was uh, the return of Yo. Uh, show gets a lot of shine. He's got that great body. He's got a lot of spunk, um, and you know was hurt, and so show was able to shine in some singles tournaments. Uh, but they're both really talented. I was a little concerned because Yo and Show Yapongi came out to a different theme song. They didn't come out to Rocky Romero's uh, thing, and Yo was wearing black, and he had his hair dyed black. And I'm like, oh shit! I'm like, Yo's gonna turn on this dude, <laughs> and. I was like, we're going to have, like, he's going to, like, join Bullet Club or some shit. Uh, but he didn't, and they won, and that's cool because, uh, man, they are so talented. Uh, nope to self. Make sure to grab drop of Zach saying he's got a great body and a ton of spunk. <laughs> okay. Uh... <laughs> I just hit number 200. <laughs> Pretty good. That's pretty good. Pretty funny. All right. Uh, any other big thoughts on NJPW before we get on to AEW Dynamite? No, I mean, they got a lot of big shows coming up. There's a Tokyo Dome show. There's a uh, stadium, stadium show. another stadium show. And then we have, like, Dominion, which is 
pretty much like the SummerSlam of New Japan. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just a, so, and there is like a week apart. I think there's a stadium show. And then I think like that next week is Dominion. And so and whoever is, is holding this title is going to be busy. Is G1 in July again this year? Are they doing it normal time? Uh, I wonder. I, I don't remember everything. I thought it was. Like, so if, fucked. Yeah, I was going to say, I think if the Olympics is, is going to mess with it again. Don't quote me on that. Um, I want to say yeah, no. Yeah, Okada carried the torch. Uh, right. So the the Olympics like, is definitely doing the Olympics. Right. So the Olympics is coming up. I would assume it's the summer, like it always is. So that would mean the G one would have to be pushed back. I, they said the dates. I want to say August September sounds right, and that would be right around normally when they do it. Maybe pushed a little bit back. All right. Let's get to that. Two counts. Two beer, what's the two count? Uh, two count was AEW Dynamite, uh, which, funnily enough, um, usually I watch live every week. Or not necessarily live, but I'm, like, right behind it. Like, because uh, I work and then I get off, um, like, an hour after it starts. So I don't get to start it right away. But I do watch it first, usually. But this time, partly because of the Peacock simulcast, I watched NXT TakeOver Live. Um, and then I watched this later on, which I think was also a better move because I was way more high by the time I got to AEW and some of this shit was really funny. <laughs> so, um, but I guess like the big story of the show is young bucks turn heel. Um, that would Shocker. be, I think the headliner, you know, and that, um, they've been doing this like kind of a weird storyline. Uh, you know, you know me, I'm a big AEW mark. Um, but sometimes the young bucks get, uh, as Phil would say, a little too cute with their own storytelling, and it kind of confuses you. And it's not necessarily like a thing where you have to watch BTE to follow it, and you'd be less confused. Sometimes it almost like confuses you even more. Um, and they've been doing this kind of weird storyline uh, where – like Don Callis told them they lost it. And then on BCE, uh, Brandon Cutler has told them that they lost it. But what's interesting is that they're the AW world tag team champions. And like, uh, that's supposed to be the premier belt for the tag teams. Like, so they're essentially the best tag team in the world, but for some reason they have been convinced that they have lost some kind of killer edge, even though they're the best tag team in the world. And so that's where the, the storyline kind of gets confusing. But, um, but yeah, like, I really enjoyed the storytelling in this match. Uh, if you're going to turn, doing it on a, a pure babyface dude like John Moxley is the way to do it. There is now no confusion. Uh, these guys are full-on heels, and I enjoyed the conflict. I enjoyed the tear running down Matt's face. I enjoyed... Nick Jackson working this match like it was the last pay-per-view match of his life. Uh, dude, Nick Jackson might be the best wrestler in AEW. Like, he's one of the, like, I, don't, I think he doesn't get enough credit because he's always in the tag team, but, like, Nick Jackson rules. Like, I think he's better than Shawn Michaels. Like, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but, like, I just want to express my, if you guys know how much I love Shawn Michaels, I, I just, like, think that that dude is one of the best to ever do it. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's like that was the big angle, and, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. But, 
you know, we can get your guys' thoughts on that and also uh, your guys' thoughts on one of Jericho's best promos of his career in a career full of amazing promos. I was laughing out loud at this shit. Like, you know, my jerk-off friend, MJF, he runs down every single inner circle or every single pinnacle member uh, just roasting these dudes. And um, total full-on baby face. So we all thought that Sammy Guevara was going to be this uh, lone wolf baby face uh, against a inner circle uh, heel, but instead, like he leaves, and then the entire inner circle turns baby face, and it's seamless. Like it's so crazy that they can go from like such like despicable like heels to to baby faces. It, it, it's bonkers. So I love it. L- let's take these one at a time because, as you might imagine, I have strong thoughts on both. Um, when I was watching, I watched takeover live the whole way through i wasn't even flipping back and forth because i because takeover was just five matches as it should be and i wanted to give all my attention to that i usually don't do that on wednesdays um when i read what had happened with the young bucks and moxley and omega and the good brothers my first thought was jesus like this is such a convoluted story this is kind of boring. Like, haven't they already gotten back together and then they weren't back together? It's like, even as somebody that does a podcast every week, it was hard for me to keep track of whether or not this was good or bad. It, was, it just seemed like all the same thing over and over and over again. When I watched the match today and I saw how they turned heel, I was like, you know what? That's actually pretty fucking smart because they didn't turn heel because they're bad guys which is always the best heel. The best heel is the the heel that always has a logic behind it. They turned heel because they didn't feel like having a super kick party on their boy, Kenny Omega. And they had trouble doing it. Like they got ready to do the super kick and they just kind of couldn't do it. And then Moxley, fucking perfect face that he is, tags himself in and gives, I forget, did he give him three paradigm shifts in a row? He gave him two at least. Two, yeah. And he gives him two paradigm shifts in a row and chest bumps one or the other. I, I really, I really, Come like, on. I'm, I'm really, on. I'm not. You know this. I, you I'm, know this. I'm not, I'm not going to say this again. I really don't know. I'm not just playing it up. I don't know which one's which. Um, but. Nick, by the way. He gets all pissed off. Jesus. And then when he gets ready, oh, he gets ready to do a third paradigm shift. And that's when Nick super kicked him. Was it Nick or Matt? Come on, dude. Just help, it. Just help me out. Damn it. It was, was it? Matt. Okay, it was Matt. Okay, Dark. so he gets super kicked by one of them. And then Matt was the one that was more reticent. More to conflicted. Super kick Kenny. Yeah, he was more conflicted. Nick was the one like, what are you doing? doing. He was like, yeah, and let's do this shit. He was ready to put the one of them down. One of them should cut his hair or wear a mask <laughs> or something. And and even though, even though Nick does have the receding hairline, Matt is the older brother. So... It's the younger brother don't, don't, following. Dude, dude, don't the don't say that, man. You gonna make this shit worse. Fuck. We had it perfect. The guy that was hesitating is Matt. The guy that was ready to do the damn thing when they were getting ready to put Kenny Omega down like old Yeller. That's Nick. Okay. My point is the same. <laughs> I thought the storytelling yeah. within the match was it was better than I imagined it when I read what happened because I couldn't. 
I wasn't watching it live. I was on Twitter all night, and I, I so it's impossible. I know, you motherfuckers was blowing my shit up at work. I'm like, dude, what the uh, fuck? <laughs> I was having a great time. I couldn't. Was I was like, Jason, where is you? Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm at work, motherfucker. Where you think I'm at? But that being said, I thought it was a pretty good heel turn, and it seems like it was a heel turn solidified. Now I don't want them to play tweeners after this. Like, go full heel. Like, if, the, if they're going to have the Good Brothers, the Young Bucks, and Omega be the Bullet Club all together, have them be the fucking Bullet Club and have them be pure heel. But this, this doesn't fix my problem that I had last week when I, when I talked about there being way too many factions, way too many factions in AEW. That aside, the Bullet Club, if you're going to have a faction, the Bullet Club should be one of the factions. Those five guys should be one of the factions. I enjoyed the heel turn, and I was pr- proven wrong in what was already in my expectations. And I can admit that I really liked the last segment. I really liked it. I liked the last segment just in the sense of how, like you said, how they did it. It wasn't a surprise for me, and I said it on Twitter last night before, that I didn't see any spoilers, so I didn't know what was going to happen. I was just counting that even last week when Mox and uh, the Bucks kind of got together at the end of the uh, of last week's Dynamite. I was like, okay, see, you know what? It looks good right now, but this is not going to take long. There is no way on God's green earth you're going to have the Bucks going against Omega and the Good Brothers. So that's where my head was at coming in. So as the match kind of progressed, you could see Matt kind of, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So, you know, in that scenario, I like the way that they did it. Ultimately, I was proven right because the Bucks wouldn't really turn on Kenny. But it wasn't because, you know, they like Bill said, they're just bad people. It just got to the point was like, okay, you you now you you fucking up my best friend now. I know he's an asshole, but that's still my best friend. And that was kind of like the crux behind the whole thing. It was like Luke Skywalker, you know, in Return of the Jedi, where he's you know he's trying not to fall to the dark side, and the Emperor's in his ear. You know what I'm saying? The next thing you know, he's fighting fucking Vader. To me, it's the same kind of thing. You didn't want to do it. And the next thing you know, you're fucking super kicking John Moxley in the face, and then you're hugging it out at the so I don't have a problem with it. Like Bill said, if you're going to have a, a bunch of factions, Bullet Club needs to be a faction. If you want to call them the elite, whatever the case may be, fine, go with that. Bottom line is is that the band is back together. Bullet Club is back together. I'm ready to see, like Bill said, they just need to start going on a straight-up rampage. Beat down Finn Juice, get the Impact titles back, and then just everybody's running around with gold and have them just – create anarchy for the next six months. You know, I was getting ready to make a joke about how I couldn't, I could never tell the difference between Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker either. But then I remembered that I was born in 1979. First movie I ever saw at the theater was Return of the Jedi. Until I was about 35 years old, I could not tell the difference between R2-D2 and C-3PO. Like, I always thought one was the other, and the other one was the other. Like, I don't know. It's just a blind spot in my head with pairs, I guess. I don't know I don't know what it is. Well, I, do I don't you know. know. Do you know the difference between them now? Yeah, R2-D2's the fat guy, and C-3PO's the gold guy that's like, oh, we're in the desert. Yeah, <sighs> R2-D2 is uh, Silent Bob, and C-3PO's Jake. <laughs> Okay, we can go with that one. Too. That makes sense. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. 
uh, one time when I was in a band uh, that was getting reviewed in the RFT, the writer described me as picture Kevin Smith with glasses. And that uh, that has stung me ever since. Wow. She, she put that shit in right. Yeah, I mean, like minus 200 pounds. Like. Not at the time. <laughs> I, I was a little bigger at the time. Like you weren't that big. Damn, dog. I mean, shit. Uh, let's move on to the Jericho promo. Jason, what do you think about the Jericho promo? Hot fire, baby. Um, it was good to see Jericho come back. Um, good to see the inner circle back. Um, like Tubier said, to me, that great the great part of that whole promo itself is where he kind of breaks everybody down into, you know, why you shouldn't. FTR was the one where I thought about you immediately. I was of course. Like, Jesus Christ. I of mean, course. Did, did Bill, you know, oh, yeah, touch I this motherfucker or what? <laughs> I'm like, God yeah. damn. When Jericho, he listens to the podcast. No I think, shit. I think he does. I think he's a fan. Um, it sets up, obviously, blood and guts for May 5th. So, kind of like um, NXT TakeOver Day 1, where you had... Walter versus Ciampa, where we should have had Walter versus Finn Bauer last year. You're going to have now the the take two, I guess, if you want to call it that, with uh, Blood and Guts. And now you'll have the Pinnacle versus um, the Inner Circle. I can't. So here's the thing. I'm stoked about that. But at the same time, don't you guys think that it seems like they're hot shotting because AW I'm so used to slow burns and don't you want to see like FTR and LAX and like Wardlow versus uh, Swagger. Swagger, you know, like don't you want to see those pairings like kind of like as like a slow burn, it seems like they're getting to the end of the feud immediately, uh, which is like kind of WWE where it's like, oh, we'll start with a Hell in a Cell and then we'll just do a wrestling match to burn the feud off. Like, uh, I know they want to pop ratings uh, and I'm fine with a War Games match. We've been waiting a year for it. But like at the same time, that can happen anytime. Uh, and I don't know. Like, I don't know what you guys think about it, but it just seems sudden for me. I, could, I couldn't agree more. Um, my problem with the Jericho promo was that it was too good i thought that it tore down the pinnacle too early into their run because everything that he said about every single one of them was exactly true exactly he was a hundred percent right it was almost scary i I, do baby face it was but they're a baby face faction i know but it was almost a burial it was almost like he didn't put a single one of them over except for MJF. Like, he buried Tully Blanchard. Oof. And he fucking buried him, too, Oof. because that shit is fucking true. Yeah. Now, listen, Tully and... <laughs> Tully, I love Tully Blanchard, but he went... Um, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead and finish. I'm, I'm sure that Tully and Jericho have a 25-year-long relationship. I'm sure they're buddies. They've probably been to each other's houses. I bet Tully doesn't care because Tully's heard that for his entire life. But as a fan... Oof. That's exactly what you think of Tully. When he said, what do you call him? A second rate or third best, the, third string? The third best horseman or whatever. Um, right above th- Paul Roma. Yeah, like, oh, he, yeah when he brought out Paul Roma, I was like, man, hold up, dog. That's <laughs> what I got, man. I'm like, man, hell At no. At least he didn't bring the guy that uh, Tender Mall has. Don't do the, it. Don't do it. No, what's, what's don't the, do it. No, man. Michael. Come on, man. You ain't <laughs> supposed to say that motherfucker. You know you ain't supposed to say that man's name in my presence. He was never a horseman. Never. Never a horseman. 
That's bullshit. But I mean, the shit about Sean Spears, when he says Sean Spears, uh, he talks about Sean Spears, everybody talks about Sean Spears' upside, but I've never seen it. Mm-mm. That is that is oh, fucking man. rough, dude. Yeah, he went there. That's fucking rough. Oh, he went there. Dude. Uh, and then. Sean Spears' upside is his wife. Yeah, I know. Jesus. Um, but. I talked last week, Zach wasn't here, but I talked last week about how the inner circle got over on the pinnacle last week, and I was like, shouldn't the pinnacle just be kicking the fuck out of the inner circle now for a couple weeks, and then they can get to it? And then this week, when they had uh, the pinnacle drags out Jericho after that match, and they're all kicking Jericho's ass, ass, and then Mike Tyson comes out for the save, and I was like, wait a minute. And then the inner circle ends up getting over on the pinnacle again. It's like they have completely – If I'll tell you what. You know what it seems like, and this is an extreme comparison. It seems like when WWE wanted to do something with retribution and then they made them just a bunch of fucking jobbers. I know it's not the same, but it's like you introduce this pinnacle faction – and then all of a sudden they just keep getting their asses kicked every week. It's going to be hard to take them seriously. Like they're going to they're going to get their they're going to get their heat back with this war games because they're definitely going to have the advantage. They have to, and yeah, they're they're not going to do anything cute like NXT is done with the war games thing, where they're like, oh, we'll give the advantage to the baby faces because it's different. That sucks. It ruins the psychology of the match. Um, but they're going to get their heat back, and I mean, MJF will clap back on a promo and be able to bury Jericho. Um, I I have faith that the inner circle will not be retributionized because holy shit, uh, that would be terrible. But no, I don't think pinnacle, that's going to happen. No, you meant pinnacle, but I mean, right. you know. What Pinner, pinnacle, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. We, we know what you're talking about. I'm, I agree with two beer on that sense. I'm not going to push the panic button on pinnacle. I think. You know, the United Empire should be our example of, you know, let's just see how this shit plays itself out. I do agree with you on the fact that Pinnacle shouldn't be getting ran down in back-to-back weeks. They should be whomping this ass in, for a few weeks, and then the inner circle, you know, gets a little pushback. Neither here nor there. I'm not a huge fan of it. I like the promo. Hated the Tyson part of it. Hated the fact that, Inner Circle came out I hated on top. Hated the Tyson part of it, man. I like that. It just seems so WCW to me. It's yeah, like it was. It's kind of. It's it was kind of programming, and I get it. But let's just call it for what it is. They wanted to take eyes away from NXT, and one of the best ways you could try to do it is bring out a name that everybody knows, Mike Tyson. It makes storyline sense. I'll give him that. But if it just if this was WWE, we call him out on that shit. I'm calling him out. That was a way to try to get people away from watching NXT TakeOver. I mean, oh, totally. That's the only reason that he was there, and he's going to be there next week. Too. Right. Like, it's so, a, I mean, which is the week after WrestleMania. And so. It, yeah, so call it for what it is. I mean, at least it made storyline sense. Speaking for myself, counter-programming to me would have been if during – let's just say the the gauntlet match that they had on NXT, if during that they would have programmed, if they, they would have had, you know, let's say Pac versus Omega. 
you know, I'm just thinking, you know, I'm go, going big, obviously. But if you have some sort of, like, try to counter-program it with, with wrestling. Don't try to counter-program it with the entertainment part of it. Because Tyson, I mean, they're like, Tyson looks great. It's like, yeah, he looks, he doesn't look terrible. But that there's a difference between great and terrible and not terrible. And the punches, those were those were fucking uh, whiff, 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 whiff. What was the guy's name that came down on the first SmackDown on Fox? The and we haven't heard from him since he came down and beat up Lesnar. He's the UFC guy. Cain Velasquez. Cain Velasquez. Yeah, he had those yeah. terrible punches. That's what those punches look like. Those were Shane McMahon punches. Mm-mm. Those were bad punches. <laughs> I would I would prefer it if he just would have knocked Sean Spears out. No shit. Um, uh, what else happened, Zach? Uh, so one thing was a fantastic Britt Baker promo. Uh, I will put that above a lot of stuff on this show. Britt Baker is a star, and she is really coming into her own, and she's really turning this women's division into something worth watching uh, without even being the champion. 100% and, agree. Uh, hey, Conti, uh, you know, had a match with the Bunny, which she looked really good. Like, my FIFA award for, like, most underrated is continuing strong number one contender, Tay Conti. Um, I uh, think... She's incredibly improved, and it's a total indictment on the NXT Performance Center that they did not see anything in her, and they just let her go. That's pretty, pretty amazing. Insane, insane to me that she is. That she's, have, she's a legit black belt in uh, black belt in judo or black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like blue belt in judo, right? Like, just like a legit shooter and. One of the most beautiful women you'll ever see. Yes. And sm- smoking hot. I mean, I say this with all due respect. She is smoking hot. And she's a yeah. legit shooter. Like, how could, uh, what did NXT see? What did they not see? It's insane. I just think that they have this weird WWE thing where they just like, they they fit you into this like thing. And if you have, they have a playbook. And if you don't fit that playbook, then you don't fit. And for but with AEW, they're like, "Hey, what do you do?" And they're like, "I do this." And they're like, "Oh, that looks cool. Yeah, just do that." Yeah, do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, do that. Do that, more that of that. Got you over? Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, this thing that got you over. Whereas, like in WWE, they'll be like, "Oh, yeah, this might have gotten you over on the indies, but uh, you're in the big time now. So this is what this is how you work." Um, that's just kind of the vibe I get. I don't know. No, but anyway, I, no, I don't. Uh, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I'll just jump in real quick. I agree with everything you guys said about Ty Conte. I'll just say this: if she's the number one contender, I'm not understanding why she is out there. I'm giving Dark Order a pass this week because I'm I'm in a little bit of a celebratory mode, and I'm not going to shit on them like I would normally do, even though they really don't have a reason to be out there. But neither here nor there, she definitely has no reason to be out there. Okay, if if Ty yeah, Conte is the number one contender, the- then she should not be out there. At the at the least, no, she should be like up at the up on the ramp, or you know at the you know announcer's desk or whatever. Her at ringside made no sense. Okay, then I get you. I think I think it's more of them playing up the babyface versus babyface. Like they don't like. Sheeta doesn't like Look, the interference. The yeah, I get that. You know, yeah. it's all. I was having this argument this afternoon. I get all that. 
it, at some point it's going to be about the title, right? So why would you even, A, put yourself in a position where you could be, if you're Sheeta in kayfabe style, kayfabe style, kayfabe style, you get yourself in that position where you could get yourself caught up, maybe get hurt, dare I say, fucking Buddy just took the kendo stick, whack fucking uh, Ty Conti with it. So, I mean, it could have cost Ty Conti this match, you could have went down that whole another rabbit hole, but neither here nor there. Sheeta shouldn't have been there, okay? I'll give Dark Order the pass. Okay, fine. Ty Conte's Dark Order-esque. Sheeta should have been up on the ramp, or better yet, not even there, and keep the focus on the two women as much as possible. Because, I mean, you got those two other factions out there ready to implode, and which they did. So, I mean, let's yeah, just try to keep the focus that, as much as possible on the women. That is one thing that AEW does is, like Phil said, you know, it's not even necessarily that there's, like, so many factions that's that they just try to put as many people on a two-hour television show as they possibly can. Dude, you got three fucking shows, think, man. Figure it out. Which I think at times is a little detrimental. Uh, but um, They did but yeah, last like, night, uh, too, at the end of Darby Allen versus J.D. Drake. By the way, turns out I like J.D. Drake. J.D. Drake, no. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's pretty cool. Dude, dude, he's awesome, and it's funny because you look at him at first, and you're like, who the fuck's this jobber? And then, like, he, like, you're like, oh, oh my God, this guy rules. <laughs> okay. Oh, shit. Well, he's JR, yeah. JR called him Dick the Bruiser last night. I was like, yeah, it uh, looks like Dick the Bruiser. Yeah, just go bigger or go we'll taller. But, I mean, I've seen J.D. Drake on um, Evolve shows on at Glory Pro or whatever when they were local. J.D. Drake doesn't look the part, but, I mean, he plays the part. Once again, my problem with this is he's two and three. How's he getting the title match? I mean, you know, well, no, that, was, no, like that, that was the open challenge. That was the open challenge. Yeah. That, 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 that is their okay. way. That's right. their way around it. And that's okay. a, that's a good okay. kayfabe way around. It. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, Kevin Owens doesn't look the part either. You know, Kevin Owens. He does not rules. look the part. No, trust me. I'm not, not JD Drake. I'm, I'm a fan. Uh, yeah. I'm a fan too. But before that, mm-hmm. right before that, we had a segment with Sting, and I was like, dude, like, this thing came up, and you know, they introduced Sting, and I'm just like, I like, you know, I like your talking. Uh, your beam on uh, Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, what you sweating for, man? Push that left button. Push that left button. Right. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like they're gonna do the same shit again. I was like, Sting gets interrupted again. Not that it's like I gotta hear what Sting has to say, but I'm just like, dude, this is getting so tired. And then. Lance comes out and he's talking about my time and I was like, yeah, it's the same shit. And then Sting grabs the microphone and I think they're going to beef and I think they're good, that they're going to like go towards the feud. And instead Sting just agrees with him. And I was like, holy shit, this is like refreshing. Like, it's like interesting storytelling because instead of like, you know, this guy has a gripe and the other guy just agrees with him. He's like, yeah, I don't know why you're not the main event more. He's like, maybe your mentor here and he's the, you know, whip you into shape and, like, focus that energy. It's like, you obviously have a ton of energy. It's like, use that energy in a productive way and, like, get yourself some title matches because you're a main event guy. And then he just walks off, and I was like, that was kind of cool. Like, I don't know where it goes from there. Yeah. And but that, at least maybe we'll stop with the interruptions. That know? was clear kind of programming because at this time, we're going to get to it, on NXT TakeOver, you had Ciampa versus Walter, which was, Oof. I think, uh, collectively as a as a podcast crew here that was the match we were looking forward to the most and then on the other channel you had jake roberts and sting and uh, you know obviously that it doesn't look on paper it's like what are you guys doing 
But when you think about the counter-programming, if somebody's watching wrestling just because they want to revisit the old days, they're going to watch Jake Roberts and Sting. They don't care about the new guy with the big beard and the fat guy from Austria. When obviously that that match fucking ruled, but Jesus Christ! I, I, but I, I agree. I thought I, I I love Archer too. So it just it's just strange that every single week it's like Tony Giovanni's going to interview Sting every single week. It's just like uh, whenever Mean Gene used to interview Flair every week, and unfortunately for Sting, uh, the the storyline has been that he's getting interrupted uh, whenever with Mean Gene and Flair, it was even whenever I was like 10, 11 years old, that was like the highlight of Nitro. Like, <laughs> you got Ric Flair out there, five martinis deep, just, you know, Can, letting loose. Let's also say this. Sting is no Flair. <laughs> well, I mean, they both woo. How can you tell them apart? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> You said five he was Flair's greatest rival, though. I will tell you that. Yeah, some of his best matches right there. It's, it's okay. It's fine. Okay. It's WrestleMania week. I, I'm I'm allowed to reminisce for thirty seconds. Yes, you, you, know both, you both are. Yes, of course. Um, Jurassic Express versus Bear Country. Oh, it okay. Ooh, Bear, Bear Country needs some more time, man. Like uh, the right team went JR over. Called yeah. This. Yeah, Jr. called this bowling shoe ugly, and he was right. Uh, but they do have promise. They're very creative. Uh, they got good looks. They got uh, the but, size. Yeah, they need they need some more ring time for sure. Uh, that and that's, I guess this is where I have my biggest problem with you know the AEW rankings. I mean, look, I don't watch Elevation. I don't watch Dark the way I should. But God damn it, it makes no fucking sense in the world to me just because. Enhancement talent beats enhancement talent, and you do it multiple times. Now all of a sudden you're ranked. I mean, there's legitimate tag teams that are that are even on this fucking ranking system. Number one, number two, I love Scorpio Sky. I love Ethan Page, but them, them as a tag team kind of doesn't make sense because it we haven't even closed off the SCU portion of the program where. They're still running the table until they lose and they break up. So now all of a sudden, Scorpio Sky is just separating himself from SCU. We're not even going to talk about that. That's some WWE shit, okay? I understand, you know, we're trying to do a whole bunch of storylines at one point, but you got three shows now, and BTE is unofficially the fourth show. There's shit on there that comes up on Dynamite that I'm just like, oh, really? I didn't know that shit. I didn't know that Chris Statlander and fucking Orange Cassidy were, do, were hanging out on uh, BTE. Now, all of a sudden, they're, you know, they're this faction. Well, the biggest reason that Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page... Ethan Page? Mm-hmm. The big reason why they shouldn't be a tag team is that one's black and one's white. I mean, obviously, you can't have that unless they're the Dudleys. I'm sure you can tell them motherfuckers apart, though, right? <laughs> 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 that, that was my... That, that, that was me. Uh, uh, that was me channeling Vince McMahon. It's right. like, whoa, you can't have one. <laughs> Is that American, the Dudley boys? I say American Alpha. We can't that's have that. American <laughs> Alpha. No, no, that's not American. We'll make the. We'll make one of them Kurt Angle's son, <laughs> the black one. Um, and he'll run a drum circle. <laughs> right. Um, so so wait, I, this just hit me. So they have so AEW has Diamond Dallas Page, Ethan Page. 
Oh shit! I knew he was going right. And Hangman up. Page. Yeah, and I, then I, they also I saw have, those wheels going. I was like, and oh, then they shit. also have Christian Cage <laughs> and Brian Cage. Another, <laughs> they should have. They should have Brian Cage be Christian Cage's son. No, no, you bet not. Yeah, and you have them go against Taz and what's his kid's name? Hook. Yes. Okay. Uh, what do you think about that, J- or Zach? Uh, Chris Taz asking Christian Cage to be part of uh, Team Taz. I kind of like it. Uh, I mean, I think. It, uh, you know, just kind of continues the storyline because they had a really good match uh, last week, uh, him and Frankie Kazarian. And I think that it was funny that Kaz presented it as like an opportunity when really I feel like it was kind of like it's an opportunity for his guys more than it is for Christian Cage. You know, maybe just to have some backup or whatever. There is that because there are a lot of stables running around and you don't want to be the lone wolf. You're, you know, like look at Moxley. He's only got Eddie Kingston, uh, but you know Moxley's like getting his ass beat all the time because he ain't come back down. Um, and Christian Cage probably end up being that same way. But I don't know. Uh, I don't. I just think it's a, a way to shoot an angle and to get uh, some of those younger guys in the ring with Christian Cage. I think it's you know to get. Um, Maybe not necessarily Brian Cage, uh, but maybe. But Ricky Starks, Christian Cage, uh, you know, Brian Cage, Christian Cage in a cage match, Cageception, <laughs> May 11th on TNT. I cage don't know. in a cell? Hell in a cage? Yeah. <laughs> Blood in cage? No, I like the Ricky Starks cage idea. Slam. Cage <laughs> mania. Ooh, that's good. Double cage? Oh, yeah, cage mania. That, yeah, that's not going to raise any eyebrows whatsoever. Cage mania is good, though. I like it. Cage in? But, all uh, cage? But yeah, they, all they cage, definitely okay. had... I, I didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, but I did like the Christian cage Frankie Kazarian match. But at the same time, uh, Frankie Kazarian is a total great hand veteran in the same way. So it was kind of like the same wrestlers, like are very similar wrestlers wrestling like a match where like I want... Christian Cage uh, to, so you know, I want him to win enough to be able to put guys over, like to be like a second tier Jericho, right? Like maybe not, never put guys over, like Jericho, very, very selective on uh, who he, he puts over, but maybe just like slightly less than that. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, any other thoughts about AEW? It was okay. Um, Page went over caster. Yeah. That, uh, Death Triangle is going to go against Best Friends. Well, no, they have the title match next week. What about, so you, you said you were going to save, uh, I, I mentioned the Pixies and Orange Cassidy. You said you were saving it for the pod. What, what do you got to say about the Pixies? Okay, so Where Is My Mind is now the song that Orange Cassidy is coming out to. Where Is My Mind is the iconic Pixie song uh, from the 1990 album Surfer Rosa. It's number seven on the disc. I'm a big Pixies fan. I know a lot about the Pixies. That song looms large in my personal experience. It also looms large in, uh, I I think that it's kind of considered an alternative classic, for lack of a better term, you know. It's a very popular song. It closed out Fight Club. To me, that song is iconic. And to me, 
to come out to that song just seems it's I, I'm never going to be able to separate that song from my own history with it. I also had this problem with CM Punk's song being Cult of Personality because to me, Cult of Personality was an iconic song. They played it on Casey all the time when I was a kid, Casey being the local rock station for those of you listening that aren't local. I like to me to have those iconic songs be to come out to where is my mind just is bizarre to me. And it's, it, it kind of takes me out of it. I think it's something um, like not defending it one way or another. Cause like I'm ambivalent towards it, even though I do enjoy it, but I don't have like necessarily strong feelings about it. But um, that CM Punk example was going to be my example, but also pre television, like, you know, the free birds came out to free birds, right? You know, it's like um, there was always licensed music, but then with television where it was a cost prohibitive thing, they stopped doing it. Um, so I do like the licensed music and I feel like it's just kind of a, a taste issue. Like, like you said, like with separating that uh, same thing, like I'm a big fan of the Pixies. Uh, Fight Club was my favorite movie for like 10 years before I found better movies. Not that there's like, anything wrong with Fight Club, it's still rules. Uh, but it's like a great movie for people who don't know a lot about movies. Um, yes. But, I, I agree. Yeah. I think Fight Club yeah. rules too. Yeah, it rules. But, you know, uh, I also, at the same time, popped whenever that happened. And I like Orange Cassidy's previous scene with that, like, guitar uh, kind of grunge thing. But whenever the Pixies hit, I was like, oh, shit. I was like, that's kind of special. And I think having a licensed song makes an act special. Just like Tarzan Boy was Jungle Boy, um, which was probably cheaper because Baltimore probably comes cheaper than the Pixies. But uh, like that Tarzan Boy song rules. And I think having a licensed song like that can, you know, same thing with Judas, right? Like what Jericho licenses his own song. But, well, let me say, uh, let me say this: if he, over. If, if he would have pulled a deeper cut from the Pixies, I don't think I'd have nearly as big of a problem. If he would have done Planet of Sound or Alec Eiffel or uh, Palace of the Brine or something like that, I wouldn't have had any problem at all. And I understand that nobody knows what the fuck I'm talking about. But Where Is My Mind is an iconic song. It's so much so that I don't even want to hear it anymore because I've heard it so many times. Kind of like Radiohead Creep. Like they got a lot of good songs, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Man, if I mean, would we be saying the same thing if he would have came out to Creep? Actually, Creep would probably be okay for Dexter Loomis. God. <laughs> <laughs> creep Jesus. from the Creep Farm. I'll just say this: I'm talking about Creep. I stone double pilots, of course. <laughs> I like the fact that they're bringing in licensed music, and Two Beers' example of the Freebirds is a great example. I would have never known who Leonard Skinner was as if you'd have had the Freebirds come out with random A music, whatever it would have been at that time. Okay, until that point, I would have, I probably wouldn't have identified it until maybe Forrest Gump, and I probably wouldn't have identified it with it at that point. When I hear Freebird, I think of the fabulous Freebirds, and that's a good thing, at least in my mind, and at least I can identify the song with that group weird way to identify it but i sing along with the song and it's it's just that weird way of making that connection maybe that's the way they're going with it i don't know but 
ultimately, I kind of like it. I hate this the new R. Cassidy song. I'm not a fan, but fair enough. It is what it is. Uh, let's get to that. Three counts. One, two, three. Okay, so the three count is going to be NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver Night 1. Night 2 is coming up tonight. Night 1. Two hours. Hour and 50 some odd minutes. Night 1 delivered. Yeah. Night 1, and we we can go in order. I was uh, surprised that Pete Dunne and Kushida were the curtain jerker. I thought that it would be the tag team match considering the uh, the pace of the tag team match and the high flying uh, of the high flyingness of it all. But Pete Dunne and Kushida, they got about 11, 12 minutes. It was pretty much everything I wanted to be and it left me wanting a little bit more out of these two guys. Pete Dunne ends up going over clean over the very well-protected Kushida who doesn't lose a whole lot in uh, NXT. I enjoyed the fuck out of this match. What would you think, Jason? Agreed. Um, I think it was about 12 minutes, but I mean, they they smashed it all in. Um, Obviously, the turning point was the work done on Kushida's hand early by Pete Dunne, and then it came on later on in the match, just when you thought Kushida was getting ready to take over and possibly win this match. Pete Dunne takes it back over from him, works the hand. Next thing you know, the bitter end happens, one, two, three. Um, I joked last week, and if they were saying that, you know, the winner was going to be the best technical wrestler in the world, and, you know, in my humble opinion, Zach Re- Zach Saber Jr. is that guy. But Pete Dunn or Kushida don't have. Oh, hot hot take, Jason. Hot yeah, take. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I, I stepped out on the limb on that one. <laughs> Pete Dunn and Kushida had nothing to uh, to feel ashamed about. This was a really good curtain jerker, and I had no problem with this being the curtain jerker, considering it just happened the week before to set this match up. The bar is for expectation for me was fairly low. They exceeded that easily. It was a really good way to start off the show. Spectacular. What do you think, Zach? Totally fun match. Um, you know, with this being on the TV version, right? Because uh, it's amazing to be in a, I have wrestling to watch tonight. Uh, you know, it's not typical that we get off the podcast and, like, have wrestling to watch. It's like a backlog kind of situation. But, like, there's live wrestling to watch here in a minute. Um, and this seems like kind of a marquee non-TV match, but that whole show, the NXT show, was, it did stand and deliver. And this was a super fun match. And, uh, yeah, these guys both rule. And they wrestled a very non-WWE style match. And um, I was down with it. Uh, Next up, we had the gauntlet match, which was, in order, I want to say this is right. I think it went rough. Swerve, Breed, Grimes, Loomis, L.A. Knight, I think. Um, It ends up being Bronson Reed that goes over. The match highlighted Swerve, which I think was the uh, kind of the focus that he, his character, that wrestler needed because he is certainly valuable and he has kind of been toiling in the mid-carder and has kind of been jobbing out a lot for probably 15 months. I mean, for a while. They brought him in kind of hot. They've cooled him off. 
that's a big story. Bronson Reed, I, I picked to go over. That didn't surprise me. Um, I'll show you the points later on from what happened last week. It There's was not good for Jason. Uh, I, I forgot to I forgot to text you guys my stuff, but I actually did pick Dexter Loomis, and when LA Knight came in and did that roll up and put no, him man, out, I was like, oh shit! Go, go ahead, brag about the points, man. Go ahead, get it off your chest. Well, let me. I mean, let me check it out. Let me pull it. I gotta pull the other page up here. This so, motherfucker here. I had uh I had. So I had MS, we both had MSK winning. We both had Pete Dunn winning. I had Bronson Reed winning. You had Bronson Reed come third, third, yeah, to win. So I had Walter winning. You had Champa, and we both had Io Shirai. So I picked up like a good four points there. I had uh, just for like posterity. Uh, I screwed up a couple, but I did do well on a couple. Uh, I I expected. Dexter Lumis win this, so I screwed that up. Uh, but I did also pick Kashida, so I screwed that up. Uh, I picked Raquel, though, and um, I picked MSK. So those were, like, my two that I actually did well on. And Walter. I think Walter as well. Guess what? You get zero! <laughs> yeah, I get nothing. You, say you get nothing and like it. Uh, go ahead, um... Uh, and I, I was surprised that L.A. Knight went out as quickly as he yeah. did. Uh, you know, the L.A. Knight thing is so weird because, like, he, he won a squash match and then he lost his debut, like, because, like, I mean, not debut, but debut against Reed. anybody. Right. Yeah, debut against anybody that's anybody. He lost. And then he wins the gauntlet. He wins the battle royal. And then he's just, like, out. And now it looks like he's feuding with Dexter Loomis. It's like a total death sentence. Uh, I'm just glad that Johnny Gargano isn't feuding with him. But he did look good in this gauntlet. Like he did that yeah, top for that, rope. Yeah, thing. for that full five he did that minutes jump he was up there. For the super plug. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't have high hopes for him. He's not going to be NXT champion. Like North American champion is his like pinnacle, and then he'll go up to the main roster and be a job guy like Bobby Roode. Or oh. like, I was gonna say like Mike Kanellis. I mean, like he he's the type of guy that they probably think in their heart of hearts that he can always get his heat back because he's he's great on the stick. But this is not and a very he's got a good body. This is not a very encouraging start for him. No, I agree. It's it's kind they, of like they what brought, the fuck's going on. They brought him in with a lot of fanfare. You know, they made a big deal and they're not making him look like a big deal. They're not making them look like a big deal. Bronson Reed was the right call though, especially when you look at tonight's card. Tonight's card doesn't have a lot of big uh, you know, in size type wrestlers. Uh there's not a lot of big monster there's not a lot of monsters on the men's side in Plus, NXT. Bronson Reed rules. I was oh, very yeah. happy. Yeah, I'm 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 a Bronson Reed guy. I, I have a problem. I, with. I, I like him a lot. But I mean they lost Hey by with Dexter Loomis. They lost Ty Djokovic, they lost Keith Lee, they lost Damian Priest. Like all their big guys that they had in NXT are gone. So Bronson Reed is filling that void and he's filling that void nicely. I, I like him a lot. And um I think that heel Johnny Gargano Versus a a big bronze and reed can be a fun match. Yeah, I was gonna say there's gonna be a little uh, little slapstick to that, but uh, yeah, ultimately I think that should be good. Next up, we had the match that I was looking forward to the most. I think the match that we were looking forward to the most. We had Champa versus Walter. 
Jason, uh, Zach, and I were kind of discussing this on social media last night, so I have a pretty good idea where he stands. I think Zach gave it one and a quarter stars. What did, <laughs> what did, what did you think, Jason? This was the old chopper. I was waiting to see what kind of chopper we were going to get. The old chopper came back out. The obviously the right hand of Walter was compromised, chopping the uh, the desk in half. I don't know if that was supposed to be a work or not. Either way, Walter played into that really well, and that was basically kind of the story of the match. Even though Ciampa was giving Walter that work, Walter was still holding Ciampa off with one hand at certain points. It was was a solid-ass match. It was what I expected it to be. I picked Ciampa just for the sake of picking Ciampa in the heart of hearts. And I said it on Twitter when I was watching that match last night. The person that beats Walter is somebody that we, I don't think we see right now, but whoever it is is going to get the rub of rubs. And that person, like I said, right now I don't see who it is. Lesnar. No. Stop it. <laughs> that was like, a callback to Lesnar yeah, breaking the streak. I was going to say, like, he needs another rub for Christ's sake. Um, no, I thought it was good. I thought it was just it was equally as good. As um, what was the opening match? Uh, Kushida and uh, Pete Dunn, but it was a little. I liked the psychology a little more just because Walter had to play with one hand down, and that to me made this probably a little bit better. Let's just say four and a quarter stars. Zach, what'd yeah, you say? man, I would probably go like yeah, like four and a half at least. Like this match uh, ruled and. All I need is two badass dudes who want to fight to prove who's the most badass. Like, I love the Champa promo where he's like, yeah, you tore off my necklace. Uh, you know, it was for my daughter and my wife. He's like, but, you know, you didn't know that it was for my daughter. He's like, so no harm, no foul. You know, it's like, you didn't know. Uh, but I'm still going to fucking kill you for it. I I loved that they didn't need to even add that extra like psychology to the match like uh, but they did and it just elevated the match that much more. Uh, this is the best match that I saw all week, and I think it will uh, even be the best match that I see all week. If I if I see a better match at WrestleMania or tonight, I will be just incredibly happy. I won't even be mad that I was proved wrong. I'll just be happy as a wrestling fan because this is the match that I was looking forward to the most during Mania Week, and it absolutely delivered. Yeah, I mean, it was about 15 minutes, I think, maybe 16. Shit, felt like 25. The psychology of it was perfect. That Walter couldn't be taken down, but Ciampa cannot be trifled with, and Ciampa's going to fuck you up just as bad. There was a point, I did. I wasn't watching the Peacock feed, I was watching on TV. There was a point where they had the picture-in-picture, picture, and so I was actually watching the picture-in-picture picture when Ciampa just kept running the ropes, and Walter was, like, kind of staggering on the ropes, and Ciampa must have... Chomp, Chomp, like Chomp, 12 times. Yeah, it was, it was at least 10 times. I mean, he just kept going after him and after him and after him, and he just kept fucking him up, and he tried to pick him up a couple times, couldn't do it, and then he did it. It was exactly what you want in a match between two guys when you know that the outcome 
is already in hand. You knew Chapel wasn't going to take away Walter's title. I mean, at least I had a really good idea that it wasn't going to happen. It was about as fun of a match as you can have. It was my favorite match of the week also. That includes Osprey Ibushi, which I loved. I wish they would have given these guys another five minutes. We've now seen... I, I don't... We You know, you don't watch Walter every week. I don't watch NXT UK every week. I haven't seen every Walter match. But I've seen this match, which... To, to me, I know it's not a five-star match because it wasn't long enough. That's not the way they do it. That's not the way... People usually don't give five stars to 15-minute matches. That match was perfect. We've also seen him versus Dragunov, which was perfect. And we saw a 44-minute absolute all-time classic match between him and Tyler Bate. Walter is a bona fide fucking stud all-timer for my money. That's how that's how I feel about him. Also, just like I can't watch Walter and feel like more of a man. Like I feel like less of a man. Like you look at this dude, and that's just like that's what a man looks like. <laughs> Chopper was laying wasted that dude, and it just did. Chopper was matter. chopping the fuck out of him though yeah. too. He was like, "Fuck that's you!" What I'm saying that, that's what I'm saying. You chop me, I we, chop yeah, you. Yeah, we know what Walter can do. Yeah, man. we know what he, he can do. Chopper was this was old. This was old Chopper. Him, it was old Chopper, and that's. That's what I took away from it. I, I said it before the, the match started. If we get the black heart, this could be on. It could be real, real interesting. The black heart came out. It was just not enough. Jason, what do you think about MSK versus Grizzly Young Veterans versus Legado Del Fantasma? My knee-jerk reaction coming into it, honestly, was I was kind of – I was a little upset that Legado Del Fantasma was even in this match because a, a part of me was just like, shit – Let's just cut to the chase. You got to argue we the two best tag teams on the brand right now in one match. Let's just, you know, have Gala Del Fantasma, you know, take the winner and just let MSK and uh, GYV just go at it. And ultimately, that's how the match ended. I'll just say this. Crystal Young veterans have been getting a short stick a lot as of late. I mean, they brought up the point that uh, – they won the NXT UT, uh Tag Team Champions on a vacated spot. So, you know, this might be, um, you know, lightning striking twice or whatever the case may be. They're one of those teams that I don't, I don't think they, they really need to keep winning. They're almost like a babyface tag team, but they're heelish. It's almost they're bulletproof. I mean, don't get me wrong. If they go like, you know, months without winning and you you know this argument is all null and void they're good enough to where this loss is not even a big deal even though they were the ones that ate the pin i don't even think it's a big deal anymore because ultimately you can continue this feud going down the line because i really don't think msk and and grizzled young vendors are done just yet i think msk is going to run the table a little bit We'll see this bad boy again. Well, Gallaudel Fantasma was that nice change up in the uh, the mix. I always liked Raul Mendoza, even back in the days, you know, watching 205 Live on a weekly basis. I thought he was an amazing hand. And then you got Joaquin Wild. That's a nice little compliment to it. All in all, I thought this was a, a solid-ass triple threat match. The right team won. 
as much as I like Grizzly Young Veterans, the right team won. I don't think you can have the Dusty Cup winners not win the vacant tag team championship. That just it, it doesn't even seem right to me. And it, But like I said, solid-ass match. The right team won. No problems with it at all. I'm going to push back on the right team winning there a little bit. I actually would have put it on the Grizzly Young Veterans because MSK is the hot new tag team, the hot new babyface tag team. They're fun to watch. They wrestle a great babyface move set. I would have put them in chase mode for a little while. Can I? Okay, so if we're going to play this devil's advocate, here's my devil's advocate on that. If, Please. If Goni Orkin and Danny Birch were the tag team champions and didn't get hurt and MSK won the Dusky Cup and you'd have had this, that match, Orkin and Birch versus MSK for the titles, who goes over? Who should go over? MSK. Okay. That's a completely different situation, no, But, though. I mean, I'm th- we still are getting to the same point. Okay, they would have went over regardless of who it was. It just so happens that now you made the best of a bad situation. You made it a triple threat match with the team that they have storyline beef with. You broke uh, Wesley's hand, so then Zach get, Zipson's hand gets broken in, broken or whatever, broken in. His, his hand gets broken. So now you have that storyline connection going. Okay. At the end of the day, like I said, the right team still won the titles. I can argue with that. That's fine. Difference of opinion. And I'm right. What do you I, think, Zach? I will go on the side of MSK because I thought that they should have won it. I was actually mad that there was a three way uh, because in kayfabe they had earned this by being the Dusty Cup Classic. That whole tournament was about them, and I think Wes Lee is. A super talent. I tweeted last night, like Wesley giving Nick Jackson a run for his money is the hottest tag in the business, and I just put over Nick Jackson as being better than Shawn Michaels. Okay, um, that's okay. See, that's why that was my next question coming out of my mouth. So, if we got to put Wesley versus Nick Jackson, who wins? Zach's out here. It took him two hundred episodes to start burying HBK, dude. <laughs> he's been burying him. He put him over for one hundred ninety nine episodes. Now he's out here. Fuck, fuck him. Him. <laughs> fuck just, HBK. Just, he's nothing. I'm, I'm burying him in Saudi Russia. Arabian sand. <laughs> this Mount Rushmore is all wrong. No, but uh, but no, Wesley is a super talent, and uh, like this is the right move for them uh this match was a total spot fest this was like we were already closed but like if my friends would have still been hanging out they went like and left to get food uh, before everybody's closed in st louis so i can't fault them for that but like they would have loved this match because it was if you were trying to like write move by move like if we did actual reporting uh, instead of just like our opinions like i would just been like uh, a thousand moves, MSK won. It was awesome. Yes, <laughs> like, I don't know how people do that. Actually, when they do this, when they do the play by play and they're typing, it's like, how many times do you got to rewind and watch that? Fuck, Jesus, it's Christ. no fun, man. Yeah, I was gonna say, rather look at Twitter. <laughs> I'll say it would totally take me out of that shit. Um, now, like I said, at the end of the day, Grizzly Young Veterans are going to be back in this tag team no doubt. again no doubt it's not like this is the AEW tag team division where you, you you have a lot of teams and if they did it if they did it i won't say the right way but a little better i guess it would be a little harder for grizzly young veterans to navigate back to the top it's not going to take that long they'll be fine no doubt and uh last but not least 
Io Shirai drops the NXT women's uh, belt to Raquel Gonzalez in what can only be described in a match that exceeded my expectations. Raquel Gonzalez is not somebody that I would consider to be a fully formed wrestler. I don't think that she is. I don't think that she has even reached. Not, I wouldn't call her green. I don't think that she's green, but I think that she is um, still learning. She's not EO. She's not. Well, she's well, not EO, but I mean, she's not. She's not EO, but she's also not Rhea Ripley. Like she and Rhea Ripley's great. Rhea Ripley is super fucking young. Raquel Gonzalez is still learning her way in the ring. I thought that the psychology of this match was really great. I thought that it was a really well planned out match. There was a bunch of cool spots. EO spot off the top of the WrestleMania sign or the, the skull the, or whatever. The, the skull uh, was legit crazy. I know that Wade Barrett was saying it's 20 feet. Probably wasn't 20 feet, but it was tall enough to where I wouldn't do it. Fuck no. <laughs> uh, I thought this match was really cool. You know, let the rumors start to begin that EO is going up to uh, Raw or SmackDown. But... Um, we have a new women's champion. Io Shirai held it for a long time. New women's champion is Raquel Gonzalez. Zach, what do you think? I tweeted about this, and I said uh, before the match started, I was like, tonight is Raquel's night. Io is approaching Oscar territory as far as dominant in this division. And if Raquel didn't win, I don't know who's taking this fucking title off of her. Like, they, she's gone through every fucking contender uh, gloriously. And I got a couple things to say about this match. Uh Overperformed. I'll totally agree with you. I actually tweeted or put on Friends of BFR like after the Walter Chompa match. I'm like, EO and Rhea, or I'm sorry, EO and Raquel. There you go. Yeah. Uh, EO and Raquel don't have a prayer. And then they absolutely murdered it. Uh, so that was fun. I think the right person went over. I'm excited to see Raquel's run, get some fresh matchups. That's very cool. And the second thing I want to say is about overarching NXT. They are doing an excellent job with these specialty matches because one thing that I love is the addition of the set, like that skull. The fact that EO jumped off of it is bonkers. Like, I would not have done that either. And she's amazing for doing it. But just having that set, it's just like that Halloween Havoc show. Um, they had that, you know, the whole theme of Halloween Havoc. Like, that NXT ruled. And I remember those sets. Uh, just as much as I remember, like, these matches, like, those old Halloween, like, where we had, like, Eddie versus Ray, like, a classic match. Like, I remember the set just as much as I remember those matches. And having those stylish sets is something that the main roster um, really, I think, requires because they have the budget. And I think it could really help just kind of push it over the edge because everything looks the same on the main roster. And a lot of times everything looks the same. And I know that AEW has daily place and it's COVID and everything. And so they're kind of stuck in the same spot, but having those, uh, those specialty sets is, is very, very cool. Um, so I, I love this match. Jason. I agree with Zach on this. Uh, this, the Oscar comparison, I guess it was 300 days, I think I saw on Twitter, where EO held the title. I mean, at a certain point, what more does EO have to prove on the 
on the NXT brand. It's not like she's going for the title or the tag team titles at this point. You know, we, we teased that a little bit, got the Sasha match out of that. EO has done everything that you can possibly do on the NXT brand. At this point, it would be a rematch against Raquel. I can't see them, you know, going back on putting the title on Raquel Gonzalez, so you don't want that for EO. So, yeah, the wise money would probably say she's going up to the main roster. That said, if this was her last NXT performance, it was one of the best ones she's had. I know we're talking about EO jumping off the skull, but, I mean, you got to give Raquel Gonzalez credit. Somebody had to catch her ass, and Raquel Gonzalez caught her ass and did it well. That was... Credit to Raquel Gonzalez and the, like a. Uh, and I don't care how little, how much EO weighs. The force is going she's to make this. She's jobbing for a long way. Yeah, the force is going to make this much harder for Raquel Gonzalez to make this catch and catch EO and make it safe. Nice ass spot. It it made EO look strong because it took all of this, all of this, for her to drop the title. It makes Raquel Gonzalez look good because she beats arguably not Oscar, but the next person that had the title arguably the longest behind Oscar. I'm not sure if there was somebody that had it longer than uh, Io Shirai had it at this point. I mean, this is win-win, okay? At the end of the day, fingers crossed, we get Io and Oscar on the main roster. At that point, I don't care what happens. But I, I just can't see EO coming back to NXT at this point. This is probably her swan song. Okay, uh, so for Stand and Deliver, night one, I would say not in front of Full sale. I'll give it a B. In front of Full sale, assuming that Full sale reacts the way that Full sale usually does, I, it'd be an A. Yeah. Same? Yeah. I was, was going to say B coming into it before you even say anything. Yeah, I mean, I would go. Um, I'd probably give it a B plus, even. But uh, but yeah, if it was in front of a full cell crowd, it would have been an A show, no doubt. No doubt. Um, so Zach, let we'll go through the predictions. We'll go through these quick, just because nobody's going to listen to these um, before the show. So people can either make fun of us for being right or wrong. But last week, uh, Jason and I. Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart versus The Way. Both of us took Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. Who you got? Uh, I got Ember and Shotzi, yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, Gargano, so... Indy Hartwell, like, so I just got to say, Candace is great. Indy Hartwell is very often like a deer in headlights when she's in the ring. Um, and I think being with the the way is a good place for her to be, but not holding these titles, even though the titles don't mean a whole lot because they haven't meant a whole lot. They're brand new. Uh, but Ember and Shotzi are a fun team. So uh, we predicted last week it was Gargano versus TBD. Uh, we both took TBD. My TBD was Bronson. Jason's TBD was Loomis. Who you got? I was going to say, I'm not changing, even though the You're person, sticking with Loomis? It, it, no, even though, obviously not. <laughs> duh. You heard it here first. Jason's sticking with Loomis. This motherfucker. Uh, who you got, Zach? <laughs> uh, I, I got Brunson because uh, he doesn't need 
Gargano doesn't need this title, and it would be really worthwhile on Bronson Reed. Agreed. Uh, Devlin versus Escobar. Zach, who you got? Uh, what was it again? I'm sorry. I was talking to my wife. Jordan Devlin versus Escobar. Uh, I'm going to go Escobar. But Jason and I both went Escobar also. Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole, baby. baby. Zach? Uh, I'm going to go Kyle O'Reilly. Jason and I both went Kyle O'Reilly also. And, okay, so Jason and I had a split decision on this one. Finn Balor versus Karrion Cross for the NXT Heavyweight Championship. Uh, I'm going to go Karrion Cross. That's who I had. Jason had Finn Balor. We will see what happened. Everybody, that is going to be the three counts. One, two, three. Please stay tuned for a special trip down memory lane from the Van Fruing Side Podcast. All right, so the trip down memory lane, and I know that we're talking about trying to do something special for the 200th episode, the 20th episode, Jesus. Um, I know everybody, well, I shouldn't say everybody, a JCB rant is always something that is entertaining, and I don't do it to be entertaining per se, it is something that I, I honestly feel this strongly about, and it just so happens it comes out in the JCB rant. I didn't want to go that route. I wanted to try to do something that encapsulated the the whole crew all in one fail swoop and try to get us all debating in one little segment. So this segment comes up. I, I can't remember the year when it actually came up, but it was right around uh, the end of the year when – uh, Christmas or well, if it's the WrestleMania or if it's the Wrestle Kingdom 13 preview, so it was two years ago, yeah. Okay, so two, Drew McIntyre, three months or so, Drew McIntyre has come back with um Dolph Ziggler, and this was a taped episode of Raw, and we were kind of discussing. Uh, this taped episode that would lead into the Royal Rumble. So myself, Bill, Two Beer, and in, th- in this case, it was Murray, the Murray Man Murray, were all in Shock City Studios, and we're trying to, I guess, debate the merits on how good this was. It's already queued up, so I think from this point, it will start from the three count. It'll take like five minutes, so... Sit back and enjoy Zach, a Zach and I have not heard this a ride from the past. I don't know because I was getting ready to say I just I saw this today and I was like, okay, this is the one. So here we go. And okay, so we're gonna we're gonna devote a lot of time to the uh, Wrestle Kingdom predictions. But before we get there, because we want to spend so much time, I know that. Some of you may have missed some of the goings-on on WWE TV uh, in the last week because of the holiday. But Shit, spoilers everywhere. It had, see, I don't read the spoilers. It had no business being as good as it was for a pre-taped holiday show. And I know that Murray agrees with me. But just running down a few of the things that happened. Dolph Ziggler fought uh, Drew McIntyre in a cage match that was like a four-segment uh, match where Ziggler put him over and McIntyre came back to get some a little bit more after he lost. 
Uh, Seth Rollins and Triple H had a really good promo in ring together where Seth Rollins again mentioned Brock Lesnar, wasn't Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, which makes me think that that's definitely on the table. Um, let's see here. I feel like I feel like the uh, I'm not sure already going to be going to that, but I feel like the match that happened at the end of the night with Seth just solidified the fact that they're probably going to put him with Brock. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that whole old Seth Rollins thing that they're doing, and he went nuts with the chair for like what felt like yeah, 10 against, minutes. against Lashley. Yeah, so I feel like they're probably going to do that or uh, Drew, honestly. And two other segments that I want to talk about: there was a five-way match for the number one contendership uh, on SmackDown between, <laughs> excuse me, Mustafa Ali, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles. Um, who am I forgetting? Brian, or not, not Brian? He is the giant. Just, Mustafa Ali, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, AJ Styles. Uh, damn. Mm-hmm. Y'all getting ready to make my point. Oh, that's getting <laughs> oh, ready to make your that. point? Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, okay, yeah, for so sure. Ha- so having a five-way number one contendership Randy match. Orton and Rey Mysterio rounds yeah. out your five, gentlemen. Oh, yeah, You're right. making my Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, that's what I'm talking Rey about. Mysterio. You're just making my point. There was no Rey reason Mysterio. to... Okay, I'll talk to Murray. the match Rey itself was fine. Ray Mysterio and Mustafa Ali had a really good segment, mm-hmm. really good segment in the middle of that. That's true. I'm just saying, the they, there's, they only two, there's only two people that should have won that match, and neither one of them did. Speak. Speak on it. Wait Speak a minute. on so, it. Wait, so you're already tired of AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan? Look, man, if we talking oh, about fresh starts. Oh, there's a shiny starts, new thing that runs in front it, of you guys. You guys are already was, set All you did AJ was Styles give him the rematch without saying it's a rematch. He wins the Fatal 5-Way. Let's be real for 30 seconds. Who was realistically going to win that Fatal 5-Way outside of AJ Styles? AJ Styles, but it's still... Nobody outside of AJ Styles. Okay, but thank you. But it's still better than... Half the shit that they've been putting out, and it's still, it was a New Year's Day show. They don't do that don't shit com- on New Year's a, Day. They don't compare it to Raw because Raw is consistently worse than SmackDown, and B, more importantly, it doesn't, SmackDown is always consistently good. So just because it's a little better, we changed the people, but you still had Rey Mysterio, you still had Randy Orton, you had Samoa Joe. I mean, Samoa Joe hasn't been even relevant since he walked in the door. So all of a sudden, you're going to put guys that nobody cares about. He hasn't been relevant. Don't start. Since he walked in what door? Since the WWE, since he came into WWE, he's lost to, let's count it, AJ Styles. He lost to Brock Lesnar. Outside of that, he's had some bullshit fucking... um, Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So to be be relevant in the WWE, he's got to win? To me, yeah. There's There's only three belts. So hey, everybody's got to win. Kurt Hawkins is pretty over. <laughs> I mean, and, like, everybody fucking loves when AJ Styles. When you AJ lose Styles to Jeff Hardy, there's a problem. I was going to make this quick. He <laughs> <laughs> just put the dad hand down on the table. And, uh, and Becky Lynch and John Cena had a really good segment. <laughs> everybody does, so I can't see me to John Cena. I mean, come on. Oh, oh no. now, wait a minute. That's not a great use of John Cena, have John Cena come in there and then have Becky Lynch to, come for, in. For Omis and DeVega to go down, no. I, grab two jokers from the back, I don't give a rat's ass who it is. So there's two ways of looking at that. Either that can give some shine to Omis and Vega, or that's burying them. And you're going to go with that's burying I them? I say it was burying I just said you could Google somebody else. For Zelina Vega to tap out to Becky Lynch is a burial of Almas? Get the with, fuck out of no, here. It has, that's no, insane. it has nothing to do with Almas because Almas <laughs> didn't have anything to do with the end of the, uh, the match. The problem is, if you want
wanted to do it, let's do it right. John Cena ain't gonna be here around long, so let's have him go down to Ole Miss. That makes fucking sense to me. I ain't give a shit about Talita Vega. She's hot, but that don't mean shit to me. <laughs> I know, but that's why Becky Lynch went over her. Okay, and then why you... even have that match? If you want to do it, do two, two, two separate matches. Then... You can have Becky Lynch whoop on Selena Vega. That's fine. I don't give a shit. Then you can but have then Ole but then you can have almost look good against Cena, not and have then to take have the that as a separate match. Have him go over and everybody wins. Oh, I'm right. You get Becky Lynch to run. You should book the territory. I can, thank you. I should. I should. You book the I should. That'll, do, that'll do it for a three count. <laughs> <laughs> now I remember. Okay, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Oh, this is gold. <laughs> Oh, that was shit was great. <laughs> I don't remember that at all, but I'm glad that Jason and I were right. <laughs> I was just going to say, I agree with me and Murray. Me and Murray are right. That is total bullshit. There is What's no funny way. is I heard Murray, and I thought it was me for a second. And I'm like, I'm not making any sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, let's get to those predictions. This is banned from ringside. Okay. So, WrestleMania predictions. 14 matches over two nights. Are you guys are excited? Are you guys as excited as I am? <laughs> yeah, let's do this shit. I mean, I already saw Walter Tampa, so I mean, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> well, I'm about to start off with a match that's going to be a little bit better than that. I'm talking about Lana. Hey, Zach, do you know who Lana's uh, tag team partner is? Naomi. Do you know who Dana Brooks' tag team partner is? Mandy Rose. Do you know who Ruby Riot's tag team partner is? Liv Morgan. These are all the most bodacious frauds. (laughs) I'm going to throw you a fastball here, though. No, a curveball. Natalia. I only know because we screwed this up and you told me it was Tamina, but otherwise I had no idea. <laughs> Wait, we did, look, you might have forgotten that last five or ten minutes. Dude, <laughs> K-Fabe is dead. <laughs> yeah, but I, I did not know that. And yeah, I had no you didn't idea. have to tell everybody that's what happened. <laughs> no shit, man. All right. Follow the fucking bouncing ball. Zach, you go first. Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks. Uh, I got Bianca Belair, man. Like, uh, she just dominated this rumble. She dominated the, the, what do you call it? The fucking New Japan Cup. That, no, the, 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 what do you, the obstacle course? Like, that was the Bailey. Okay, I got Bianca Belair too. Who you got, Jason? I'm taking Sasha Banks. Um, I just think that this. Sasha has more to go with this heel run. This, um, is, this is surprising. No, uh, look, if, if if you would have did it the way that it was already set out, to, it was already scripted that Bianca should have been the, the face on this. You could have made Sasha the heel and just made this an amazing story. But now it's all convoluted. You brought Nia and Shane into this mix. I don't even want this to be the main event of night one because it doesn't deserve it, okay? I think there's more with Sasha Banks winning versus not or uh, Bianca Banks losing, 
okay? Bianca Banks is going to get her turn at some point. I was getting ready to say Nia Jax. Stop calling her Bianca Banks. It's Bianca Belair. Belair, Jesus Christ. See, here you go. You're welcome. I don't know if the keen listeners can tell that something happened between the last segment and this segment. But uh, so, yeah. Okay. All right. So, Zach and I both had Bianca. You got Sasha Sasha Banks. Banks. Okay. So, worst to first. Lana Naomi versus Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose versus Ruby Wright and Liv Morgan versus Natalia and Tamina. Take it worst to first, Jason. Go ahead. Shit. <laughs> I got to do this. Dude <laughs> is get, high. I was about to say, I hope I get this one right. Um, I, I said the Riot Squad the first time around is the worst to first. I'm going to say this again. I just don't- Okay, you had Riot. You had... Dana Brooke, Brooke and Mandy Rose. You had Lana and Naomi, Me, and then and you had Italian. And I'm gonna stick to it. Tamina winning. Uh, last time we did this, Zach had Naomi. No, Natalia and Tamina last, which I agree with. He had Ruby Wright and Liv winning. I have Lana and Naomi winning. So that's where we're sitting at there. It doesn't matter. I mean, no, it doesn't matter at all. We, have, I, I mean, I don't even want to talk about half the shit. Bad Bunny, Damian Priest versus Miz and Morrison. I'm taking Bad Bunny and Damian Priest. I agree too. It's it would have been different enough, if it was. That's the enough singles. talking about it. <laughs> Zach, who do you got? Uh, Damian Priest, Bad Bunny. Yeah, I know. Everybody does. We're done talking about this shit. It's WrestleMania, man. Goddamn. Oh, I say you get all mad about love, shit. I love this bill. This is my favorite bill. <laughs> He's getting all mad about this shit. Braun Strowman versus Shane like, McMahon. Oh. Uh, I'll go. I'll take Braun Strowman. I'll say there's no I'll reason. I'll take the big old gummy. Braun. We have AJ and Omos. Versus New Day. Okay, see, now y'all fucking with me. <laughs> we haven't done this one yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, shit. Jason's lost it. No. Uh, We're never going to know if you're actually having a stroke. No, you will. Trust me. If, uh, if I'm, You bring me the weed. If I don't hit the weed, <laughs> okay. then I'm dead. I'm going to still stick with New Day, man. I don't care if this is part two know, or not. I'm going to stick like with a half New hour Day. Ago. No, fuck you, man. Shit. Uh, I'm taking AJ and Omos. AJ and Omos. I don't uh, that, dude. I just don't. They got to present Omos as a giant. Uh, like I said before, uh, they're the new Enzo AM cast, and I don't know what that says about AJ, but he uh, is going to carry these matches. You might not want to. You might not want to call him the new Enzo and cast because they never won the tag titles. Jesus. I'm just saying. Boom! Roasted. Uh, <laughs> next up, we have Cesaro versus Seth Rollins in the match that I think all three of us are looking forward to the most in the first night, in night one. Could steal the show. I think could steal the entire steal the WrestleMania show. if they give him enough time. Earlier I said they'll probably give him 15, 16 minutes. Jason says they'll give him at least 20 minutes. So you can vote on at BFR pod for the over-under what, what do you want to put the over under at? 1530. Okay. Does that seem fair? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I was getting ready to say, All right. I'll take the over on that. And easy. the winner has to buy F&B Eatery at the corner of 
3453 Southampton to Marquette. There you go. So, Cesaro versus Seth Rollins, who you got? Well, obviously, uh, I shouldn't say obviously. I'll take Seth Rollins, but then for our personal side bet, I'm going to take the over because, like I said, this is going to be a 20-minute match. It's what, six ma- six titles or six matches on night one? I mean, 1530 is probably pretty low, actually. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'll definitely take the over. Would you give me 1630? I'll, I'll, would you give me 17? I was, was going to say, I would give you 1730. Oh, oh. And I'll, I'll, still ha- t- I'll still take the over. I'll bet the house on the under. 1730? <laughs> Which house are we talking about? <laughs> the one that I'm not going to live in in a couple weeks. Zach, what do you got? The over or the under? Um, I'm going to go under even though I want it to be over. But I feel like this match is positioned as the workhorse match of the night. Like, this is like, hey, we're just giving this to the fans. Uh, we're giving it to the Smarks. And uh, I want it to be over. But uh, I, they're only doing like three and a half hours a night. So killing me, Smalls. I say... You don't remember that little clip. But who who are you guys taking though? I'm taking Rollins. I'm taking Rollins. You're taking Rollins. I'm taking Rollins. Yeah, even though I want Big Dick Tony. Everybody <laughs> wants that. Claudio Castiglioli. Oh, take it easy, man. Jesus. No, I'm sorry, Big Dick Tony. You Tony's sound like money. Zelda from Pet Cemetery over there. I'm not sure if you're gonna fucking make it. No, nah, I'm gonna make it. Uh McIntyre and Lashley. For the heavyweight belt, yeah, it's it's, it's got to be Drew here. I mean, this is the coronation. It was it was supposed to be Lesnar last year. There's a lot of re- redos across the board. Whether it's WWE, AEW, fill in the blank, New Japan, this is the remix. It's gonna be Drew being coronated one more time as the champion. Dude, you sounded like Chef Raekwon there for a second. You were just saying like three word phrases and I was like, holy <laughs> shit. I don't know how this I don't know how they fit together, but it sounds cool. Uh like I said earlier, I crossed out Lashley. I crossed out McIntyre. I crossed out Lashley. Stuck with McIntyre. I think that the WrestleMania moment thing is a big deal, but I can also see them skipping it just because Vince likes to surprise people every once in a while. WrestleMania is is not the end of feuds anymore. No, it's not. But I'm taking McIntyre also. Zach. I got McIntyre. That's all he's got. That's all he's got. Okay. That's that hard hitting analysis, baby. Only one more. Drew. <laughs> <laughs> he wears those tight leather shorts. I, I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how he gets in those fucking things. Have you seen him? <laughs> no, I don't look. I just how, do you, don't. how the fuck does he get in those things? As I say, I'm on. Maybe they just look like leather. I don't know, but like, I just can't even believe that he fits those onto his body. And he's all oily. I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. <laughs> I'm kind of a, a, a waist up, you know, chest up kind of guy when it comes to the male roster. That's just me. Unless it's Rene Dupree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can't help to see that motherfucker. <laughs> the horse. hanging dick. <laughs> the horse. All right. He just squeezes some fucking grease out of John Stamos' hair and fucking gets those fucking things on. Round two is definitely gone left. <laughs> All right, hit this button. Yes, uh, Sheamus versus Real. I'm taking Sheamus. <laughs> I want to change. My, I want to change my pick. I really do, but I'm gonna go ahead and just be a man on my word. 
I'm gonna take Riddle. I don't know why. Just I want. I want to take Sheamus. Don't get me wrong. I think Sheamus is ultimately going to win this. But I just, for whatever reason, Riddle is this champion that they like. So, yeah, I'll just take Riddle. Who you got? I got Sheamus. Uh, Riddle was never meant to be this champion. It was supposed to be Keith Lee. Uh, Sheamus is going to take it. Okay. Keith Lee is going to take it off of Sheamus. Where the fuck is that motherfucker at? I mean, do, yeah, we, I do mean, we need to put out an There's a story APB? there, man. There's, there's a story there. Because there's no way... Like, I don't know what it is. I read the dirt sheets. Like, I subscribe to Wrestling Observer. And, like, the only thing Meltzer has said about it is there is a story there, but he won't say anymore. Okay, so obviously something is going on. I mean, you just don't have Keith Lee that was it right around this time last year that he, he came into Survivor Series, had the, the bump against Roman Reigns. Uh, Royal Rumble had the bump against uh, Brock Lesnar. And now all of a sudden, you can't find this motherfucker? I mean, I don't Who are you get talking it. about? Keith Lee. He's hurt. I know I know. Mia Yim had COVID, and, but she's back. Uh, so I don't okay, know what okay. the, the, if he's hurt, then If he's hurt, then what, what is his injury? How about that? I mean, not unless he's got a, a torn ACL, a banged up. I mean, damn. Well, maybe diabetes. <laughs> oh, I never saw him get a concussion. But what do you think? I said diabetes. Oh, <laughs> I had to say it three times. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. I guess that makes us type three diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucker doubled down on it. <laughs> just, it <laughs> That's a tag, man. They call that a tag in the business. All right. Uh, we have Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler versus the night one winners. Uh, so who you got, Zach? You got to stick with your winner. Which was the rise? Finally, we're on some fresh content here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who who are they facing? Nia Jackson Baszler versus who? You pick the riot squad, so you're picking them versus the riot squad. Yeah, we pick. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I'm gonna pick with. I'm gonna stick with Nia Jackson Baszler. Okay, who are you taking, Jason? You have him versus Natalia yeah, and Tamina. Oh, Jesus. Fuck it. I'm just going to go ahead and just keep this thing rolling. Fuck these bitches, okay? Natalia and, and Tamina? Yes. I'm taking them fuck to win. Bitches, I'm said. taking them to win. No, I'm saying fuck these bitches and Nia and fucking Shane. I mean, goddamn. Oh, uh, yeah. Break fuck this those shit bitches, up. For sure. Break this shit up. It's time, okay? All right. So I have Lana and Naomi. We all picked our night one the, winners. The TVAs. Yeah. Um, so next up, we have. God, there's some. Should I pick a good one or a bad one? There's some good ones here. I'll pick, pick a bad, a bad one. one. Yeah. All right. Uh, Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton. The rest of them are good. Uh, Zach, I'll let you go first. Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton. Jason's dying. This over. is not. This is not going to be a wrestling match. It is just going to be some weird fiend shit. Uh, I mean, the best I could hope for is another Alexa Bliss straddling. Uh, so I'm going to go with Alexa Bliss straddling Randy Orton to win. 
I'm going to give you the point. I'm just writing down plus one. Pick a winner. I'm just writing down plus one. I love that pick. Kobe. Uh, uh, no, I'll go. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I just find this really hard to even go down this rabbit hole without kind of looking back. Okay, so we burnt up Bray Wyatt, and now all of a sudden, this match at WrestleMania has no stipulation. It's no steel cage. It's no loser gets burnt. It's no loser gets straddled by Lana or Alexa or whoever it is. It's a straight up match. This is how disconnected WrestleMania is for this whole fucking scenario. You put in months into this angle and this is the payoff okay that said i'm gonna go with bray wyatt the fiend whatever the fuck you want to call him whether he's all right bo dallas all right you're taking bray wyatt i'm taking the fiend also it'd be weird but really who won out of cena and fiend nobody won nobody got pinned there was no winner though no loser Uh, yeah, the fiend won. He- Didn't Cena just disappear? Okay, have we seen him since? You uh, can never see John Cena. Dun, 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 dun. Um, uh, we have Asuka and Rhea Ripley. Looks like Rhea Ripley is playing the heel in this. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Who you got, Jason? <sighs> man, 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 man. Oscar's been so disappointing booking wise. It makes so much sense for Rhea Ripley to win right now. Charlotte's waiting in the wings. I'm gonna take Rhea Ripley. Why not? I also am taking Rhea Ripley. She should have had her WrestleMania moment last, last year. year. It's payback. What do you got, Zach? Yeah, I could expound on how they should have done this last year, and I totally would, but. I don't have the energy for it, but this reign from Asuka has been incredibly disappointing. It's almost like that title is non-existent. Uh, no, it, they're waiting for Becky to come back. Yeah, and it's just a disservice to Asuka because she rules. Uh, one of the greatest champions WWE's ever had, and then they put the belt on her, and they've done, like, nothing with her. And it is totally like Rhea's time to shine so I, I really hope it's Rhea Ripley the only reason I would say Oscar wins is that Becky comes back immediately thereafter outside of that this should be Rhea Ripley Kevin Owens in Sami Zayn Logan Paul is in Sami Zayn's corner I'll go first it Jeez. looks <laughs> what are you go <laughs> I'm sorry go ahead I won't go get you. Go ahead. I'm going to take Gail. <laughs> I'm going to piggyback on that shit. I'm totally taking K on this. And Sammy Zane. I think Logie, Logan Paul's going to turn, turn on, on Sammy, Sammy Zane. Yeah, you stole my thunder. That's that's the whole It's a crux. shame that this is KO and Sammy Zane's first. WrestleMania moment. I, I would hope that Logan Paul is just there to make the, the one, two, three pin. He doesn't turn on anybody. Just let. Sammy and KO roll the ball out and just let them do their thing. This is what happens when you have a wrestling podcast. You have to say shit like, I hope Logan Paul calls it down the middle. <laughs> what do you got, Zach? Yeah, yeah, go out down the middle. Just get out of the way. Shit. Yeah, 
I mean, this whole thing set up for Logan Paul to turn on Timmy Zane. So, uh, I hope it's a good match otherwise because, I mean, these guys are lifelong friends, lifelong fucking rivals. I mean, but whenever I first got back They're the definition of fight forever. Yeah. I, when I first got back into wrestling and I watched Kevin Owens just fucking... Uh, Sami Zayn like did the Haluva kick and that money in the bank immediately on Kevin Owens, and then Kevin Owens did the fucking exploder suplex on onto a ladder. Uh, like ah, that just like memories. brought back all that fucking like El Generico Kevin Owens shit, and these guys just fucking rule. And I just hope that we get a good match outside of the fan service thing, but it is gonna be. Logan Paul turning on Sami Zayn for Kevin Owens to win. Uh, the last two matches, and despite my favorite wrestler currently in WWE having a match night two in KO, the two matches I'm looking forward to the most are the last two matches. The first one being Apollo Crews versus Big E. I don't know what a Nigerian drum match is. I don't no think that they match. know what that is. It's a no DQ match. Are you not looking forward to this match, Jason? No. Why not? Apollo Crews is 0 and 5. 5. 5. That means he's due. That means he yeah, shouldn't have this, this match. Come on. Ever. Yeah, dude, thank you. Is, it's the fucking word. Botches is a side. Look. I love the Apollo Crews heel turn, but then they botched it afterwards. Okay, with what? With the match where is it a pin? Is it not a pin? And now you've had to come back and now rectify this with a Nigeria drum match. Which a nobody knows. I'm just gonna go ahead and say it's a no DQ match. Who are you taking? <laughs> Biggie. I don't care. I just I don't at this point. You fucked this motherfucker up so bad where it was really fucking simple. Just have Big E turn weeks ago. Take the title or not. I'm going Big E also. Who you got, Zach? Don't be looking at me like that. Don't look look, look at me like that. They have dropped it. This was so easy. Big E needed a foil to her, for him to be serious. How many times have you talked about, oh, New Day's not serious. New Day's not serious enough. We need to be New, New Day to be serious. I took Big E also. We ain't talking about that. This was the time for Big E to be serious, and he got serious. And then they lost the match. How many times have we seen this match on SmackDown? Plenty. They defended <laughs> the title on SmackDown. I don't watch SmackDown. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you don't say that shit on the air. <laughs> it's like a brand new match for me. <laughs> no wonder you take it, Big E. You're taking Big E, too. I've seen this fit five times. So I'm just trying to say, why Zach? should you take it away? Zach, who you got? Oh, I got Big E. Like, this is just like, it, it sucks because of Paolo Cruz rules. It just sucks they position them with the 0 5 thing. Like, I don't think it's his time. I just think it's just like another fucking match that I don't. It's just weird that they can fuck up a match so bad because I totally want to see Apollo Crews and Big E on paper, but the way they positioned it. They've done it so many times, man. Damn. Enough's enough. Okay, the catering thing was the the tipping point. I don't even know what that is. Never mind. 
Go I, don't, ahead. I don't think I want to know. Never mind. <laughs> I say it just take too long. And I'm surprised you know who the black guys are that that were in this match. I can tell every single black guy <laughs> apart from the other ones in professional wrestling. Just the white guys case, fuck me yeah, up. Just in case there's a lineup. Yeah, there he is right there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know who Cedric Alexander is. I know who Shelton Benjamin is. I don't know who Dax Hartwood is. Oh. What'd you do? Why are you? All right. Why are you locking rebound? We got one last match. One last match. It's Edge, Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns, Worst for the, the Smack, first. SmackDown Championship. Go ahead, Two Beer. Uh, man, I know this is better with Daniel Bryan in it, and I know why they did it. Because you add Daniel Bryan to any match. I mean, this dude's the only guy to ever get a good match out of the scene. I don't know that he's necessary in this, but it will be a better match with him. But at the end of the day... This is Edge coming back from a career-ending injury, winning the Royal Rumble as the number one entrance, and that's his story. As much as they've fucked up and kind of made Edge a heel and they've made it weird, um, this is Edge's story, and I think Edge is going to pin Daniel Bryan. So Bryan is... Number one, Reigns is two, Edge is three. No, for me, Edge is one, Brian two, Reigns is three. So Reigns retains? Oh, no. No, he's saying Reigns has the least. Okay, so Reigns. Least is, likely to win. Reigns is one. Yeah. Who do you got? Okay. I said it last week. I liked the addition of Daniel Bryan. I still really think that Roman Reigns wins this bad boy. I just... I I get the Edge thing. I really do, especially, like I said, I was there when Edge lost for the... when he was the Royal Rumble winner. But it makes sense for him, you know, 10 years later to, to, you know, rectify that situation. I'm going to take Daniel Bryan as the least likely to win. I'm going to take Edge number two. I'm going to take Roman Reigns number three. I'm not, ex- going to think about it. I'm not even going to think about it at this point. I have point. the exact same thing. I wrote it down before you said anything. I wrote it down while Zach was talking. I have the exact same thing. I have Roman Reigns going over. As long as Daniel Bryan takes the pin, you can still do Roman Reigns and Edge whatever with the next pay-per-view i don't think there's any way that daniel bryan walks out after wrestlemania holding the belt and listen this may be the coldest take ever like if it happens like you can just hear me saying like you can record me i'm already cringing saying (laughs) there is no way there's just no way that daniel bryan shows up on smackdown the week after wrestlemania as wrestlemania champion it's going to be Roman Reigns or it's going to be Edge. It's one or the other. It's as mainstream as WWE gets all year, and they're going to put one of those guys, one of their famous guys, not the guy who is going out the door and is just putting everybody over on his way out, as in Daniel Bryan. I'm taking Roman Reigns first, Edge second, Daniel Bryan third. 
I wouldn't be surprised if Edge wins, but I just don't. I don't think that this is where the the Roman Reigns story. I will end. say though that I am looking the fuck forward to that match. That match is going to be really interesting in the way that it's booked. It's going to feel like a big deal when you're watching it. There's going to be spears. No, fans in the stands are going to really start to, I guess, for the first time. It'll be interesting. For the first time for WWE in at least a year and a half, where we're going to start to see who we think is over and who fans think they over. You know what I'm saying? And that's always the that's been the big litmus test. I know Two Beer has said it multiple times. This is going to be the biggest litmus test for WWE performers across the board. Who's over? Who isn't? Who do you think? Who do you think is going to get the biggest pop? I'm guessing Roman Reigns. I was there. You just, nigga, you just said who I was getting ready to say. Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre. I think should be getting the two biggest pops. Zach, who you got? Who's going to get the biggest pop? I think it's Roman Reigns just because they fought against it forever and they tried to position Roman Reigns to get big pops and they failed every time and they turned him heel and he's doing the best work of his life. And I think Roman Reigns, I think Vince is going to have a huge wake-up call whenever there's fans in the building because he is not in control. (laughs) Seth Rollins might get a little CM Punk chance. Yeah, but we have like organic fan interaction, not just performance center. We're feeding in the booze and cheers. So that's what I'm Roman Reigns. That's what I'm looking forward to most about WrestleMania is the organic fan reaction. Who fans like and who fans don't like. This is banned from ringside. Uh, The birthdays this week, we have Bianca Belair is 32. Of course, I will pick her against her rider on the weekend. Paul Bear, RIP, RIP, would have been sixty-seven. Juice Robinson is thirty-two. Harley Race, seventy-eight years old. No, I think he's RIP too. RIP. Just just last year, uh, I think. Yeah. Dustin Rhodes is fifty-two. Gold Dust and Lita is forty-six. Alive and well, Dustin Rhodes. Hey guys, we know there's also, a lot of podcasts. Zach, Zach Bowman, 35. Uh, oh, I'm sorry about that. Zach Bowman's birthday is this week. 30, 36. 36. 36? Hold on. Let's start this again. Take two. Hey, everybody, we know there's a ton of podcasts to listen to. Don't forget about Zach Pullman's <laughs> 36th birthday. In two days, Saturday, hit him up at BFR Zach on Twitter. Happy birthday. Zach. Tell him happy birthday. Uh, I'll be at Scratch Brewing. He'll be, wait, where? What? Yeah, I'll be at Scratch Brewing in Southern Illinois. You know, out of all the endings we've done to this show ever, this is definitely the sloppiest. Oh, I would beg the difference. 200. I'm no, sure we find No, this is sloppy as fuck because now we have to do it again. Oh, see, here's the difference. And this is the great part about the the new episodes. We control this shit. We just leave it in. Shock said we just chop that shit out. Hey, Lucha Chris. Hey, Murray the Murray Man Murray. Check, check. We appreciate you. Yes, sir. Sandra Mahal, we love you. Check. All the families, all the listeners, F&B Eatery. Vice with all the Vice. AKAs. Oh, Vice. So many AKAs. <laughs> and more in the chamber. 
for Jason Cornelius Bell, for Jack. Two Beers, Zach Bowman. I am Bill Vega. Jack. Everybody, never forget. Jack. Boo the heels. Boo!